Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So, uh, how was the Christmas party? Well, What'd you know, you get in the grab bag. You ready? Yeah. Here it is. Beautiful uh, what, a cat calendar. No, it's life. Hang of in there, July. Blossoming faith. The 2023 sure. wall calendar featuring photographs by Charles F. Stanley. I, I'm Take a little fan of his work. Through. Oh, different flowers. Yeah, for different. He looks like a fun months. dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. No, actually, that's nice. Yeah, it was. It was nice. Please was tell good. me that uh, Jeff Reisman got the never nude pajamas. No, uh, no, somebody else got the never nude pajamas. Oh. But oh. yes, we were trying. But it was fun because some someone gave out a twenty five dollar gas card with um, two lotto tickets attached to it that went fast. So it was one of those situations where if you opened it up, somebody else wanted it, they would just take it from you. Since you brought up gas, can I just um, remind people? I mean, I hate to end the year at least for us, on a downer. Uh, The Illinois Gas Act in 2023, remember during the campaign, I mean, we told you this, you understand this, our listeners, but just to share with your friends uh, around the Christmas table, perhaps. Remember how uh, Governor Jelly Belly provided gas tax relief for you? Right. And then, and then he made gas station owners put a tag up on each pump saying that, you know, I did this, basically. Right. And all it, all it was was the temporary suspension of the incremental inflationary increase in the state's gas tax. Okay, so just so you know, uh, gas prices in Illinois will go up three cents in January 1, no! which will take, so that that's back now, and so that'll take the gas tax to 42.5 cents a gallon. Then another hike comes on July 1 that, uh, that puts another two cents on it. So the, the state's gas tax was 19 cents a gallon when J.B. Pritzker took office. As of July 1 of next year, it will be forty four point three cents a gallon, which is about one hundred and thirty three percent, one hundred thirty percent increase in the gas tax in the four years that he's been governor. But you go ahead, you tell your friends, you go ahead, and you believe that he provided gas tax relief for you, you simpletons, idiots, and have a merry Christmas. Oh yeah. All right, go back to the. I just had to get that in. Get back no, to no, the no, uh, that Christmas 44 party. Forty four. Who in their right mind would gas up in Illinois? I'll just drive over to you know Indiana. Well, or I go all the time to I've, shop and go yoga and everything. Yeah, you may, and while you're over there, you may want to buy a house and stay there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. 312-642-5600. Turnkey.pro answer line. You can also always reach us on our text line, 64636. Type in DA, then a quick comment. And what's to say I hear about the uh, you know some water cooler talk? Yeah. Um, that uh, Justin got into the punch and... Uh, 
like he was dancing on the table and he fell off and hurt himself or something? Happened. George Hoffman's in. For he's, Justin. He's sworn to secrecy. And George, come on. No, no, get no. Up on the, it's, oh, a, no. It's, a, it's a technical producer's coda. Oh, really? They we won't write out happened. another technical producer. Oh, really? No, it's, it's very... Well, I hope he's okay. Some, something about a, a laceration well, on the face. He's a jackass. Uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, <laughs> that's good news for me. One less Christmas bonus to hang out, hand out. Oh. Hey, what a... Hey. Do I get anything this year? I, I don't think you understand how the Christmas bonus work. It works... <laughs> From us, oh, oh, the two shoot to, to, to our producers, right? I mean, yeah, who, I can you know, make us look good. It doesn't, right? <laughs> it doesn't translate. It was my understanding that there talent. would be no math. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have to calculate that up this year, though, too. Uh, Rich in Indian Head Park has a Christmas uh, office Christmas party story. Yes. Uh, All right. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Amy. Uh, did you did you hear the story uh, of the this group of people? They were having a Christmas party, and it was similar to what Amy was talking about, where you can switch gifts. Yeah. Well, the one woman switched uh, her gift to lottery tickets, and when she scratched her lottery tickets, there was a winner on there for a hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. I saw that story, and then of course she uh, she uh, shared it with all of her. Uh, em- fellow employees, right? Uh, I uh, didn't yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we have her. I think we have the winner, winner, chicken dinner right here. Uh-huh. A whirlwind of emotions. And I think my first instinct was just to call my husband, um, which I did with everybody in the room. And he didn't believe it, um, that it was actually happening and that this was real. Mm-hmm. And then she decided to share with her coworkers. Did she? I don't know if she did. I don't think so. I think she quit her job. She gave him all the bird, and she says, "I'm out of here," <laughs> which is what ninety percent of people would do. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the call, Rich. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So, anything else? Any other than uh, Justin's catastrophic in- injury? Anything else happened? <laughs> His injury Christmas didn't party? happen at the Christmas party because he was a no-show. Mike was a no-show, and you were even in the building. He already said saw, he had he had a professional obligation. Quinn I was did. there for a little bit. Then Quinn left. Where is Quinn? What did Quinn ended up with? He's Quinn was here. Church mass. I don't know. We, we we have more important things to discuss. How your Iowa Hawkeye basketball team. Eastern, uh, uh, oh, yeah. Jo, uh, Joe Remke sent me a text of the final score he wanted okay. me to send it to you. What was the final score? What? Like 92-83 or something. Yeah. It was the, it was the largest point spread, largest point spread overcoming the point spread in the last 30 years. Really? Yeah, it's it was huge. It was It was yeah. a, it was early in the season. The yeah. team was four and nine. Early in the season. <laughs> well, it is early in the season, it's not a conference play. However, that does yeah. not bode well for the conference play portion of the no, season. It sure does not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> guys jersey was that one of the uh, yeah right. grab bag no. items? Well, there's jerseys. That's not worth twenty five bucks. Equity on them. Do you Peyton, know that? Peyton oh yeah, and Eli exactly. getting Hawkeyes gear for no, Christmas? no, right. That's true. I forgot about that. They, the equity yeah. jerseys on the, the equity yeah, on the Hawkeye jerseys. What are they going to get rid They're of? So that? lame. I, I know. I wrote a little email to the university. If only anybody there could read it. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> Before you see it on TV, share it on Facebook, or read about it in the paper. Hear it here first. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560. The Answer. The end of the year is rapidly approaching. Hurry to Joe Cotton Ford. 
Take advantage of last-minute tax savings under Section 179 of the IRS Code. We have new 2022 F-150s from 31995 ready for immediate delivery. Also, we have new commercial vehicles in stock. Whether you're looking for a plow truck, crew trucks, or the all-new Naphide Combo Body, we have them ready and waiting for you. Hurry to Joe Cotton Ford while supplies last. Come see why we're Chicagoland's best Ford buying experience. Again, voted top pick for sales and service. For 48 years, we've been delivering the perfect vehicle for your taste, needs, and budget. Joe Cotton Ford has the friendly, no-stress way to shop for a new or certified pre-owned vehicle. No hassles, no gimmicks, just real prices. From three generations of our family to yours, you have our word on it. Gary and North Avenue in Carroll Stream or at JoeCottonFord.com. That's JoeCottonFord.com. As chosen by Daily Herald readers to qualified buyers plus tax title license and 32424.fee. Hi, Amy Jacobson and Dan Proft here, and we want to tell you about an opportunity for you to promote your business and make a difference this Christmas season. We're talking about our Food for the Poor Business Benefactor Program. We've partnered with Food for the Poor to provide life-saving food for thousands of children and their families in Latin America and the Caribbean who are facing food insecurity because of natural disasters, COVID, and the rising price of food. Your business can be part of the solution. Become a Food for the Poor Business Benefactor by making a $2,500 tax-deductible donation to Food for the Poor. That donation will help feed 70 children for an entire year. When you do that, AM560 will give you 40 one-minute commercials to air here on AM560 The Answer between 5 a.m. and 8 p.m. Monday through Friday at no additional cost to you. Just call Anjanette Natkowski at 847-472-8951. Again, that's 847-472-8951. Or go to 560theanswer.com and click on the Give Food banner. AM560 all right, we got Quinn here. You can come over here, Quinn. You've got the best Christmas story or Christmas office party. And remember, you, we have to remember our producer, Quinn McCarthy, used to work for Buddy Guy at Legends. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and one year, he, uh, he 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 would always give us all like a pretty pretty good bonus. And uh, and uh, one year, he decided, all right, well, we're all going to play poker. And then he won it all back. <laughs> Because he just kept going, all right, I'm all in. Right, just buying the pot, coming yeah, on the top. Yeah, because we didn't have as much money. So if you thought you could win, or, or you just folded, but if you thought you could win, and, and I don't know, he... Well, did he did he make you stay there until you lost all your money, or could you have left with your Christmas bonus? I, I There was like, I mean, you have to, there was a lot of booze. So yeah, Because right. it was just like, it was so at the club, a open bar, yeah. and there was like, right. I think I can win it back. Right, and and Buddy Guy was drinking tea. <laughs> Everybody else is hitting whiskey, right. and Buddy's got right. tea. He, had, he, he always drank XO, but I think you could put that uh, tea in a shot glass and kind of... Right. Kind of... Uh, That's a great Buddy Guy story. <laughs> I love Buddy Guy. How much money did he give you guys? Do you remember? That uh, he no, he was really generous. He was generous, yeah. okay. But then he took it all back. Well, hey, he didn't take it all back. <laughs> he won a game back. of chance. You will get nothing, and I can. Yeah, <laughs> they could have won. They could have won. They could, you know, be, Quinn could have a buddy guy signed guitar yeah, in his possession right now. It didn't happen. Yeah, oh. doesn't know when to hold him and when to fold him. Right. Um, by the way, um, if anybody is flying private today, oh yes, or if there's any um, limo driver who I don't know, I'll give you a thousand bucks to drive me to Florida. That would be good. Uh, you could bond. At my Southwest flight that was at 140 got canceled. Yep. Why? And I'm on a, but I'm on a 950 flight tonight. 
Oh, that's going to get canceled too. Which so how, how that's is, even worse, right? So yeah. how how would they not cancel that flight when the conditions are supposed to be worse? I have no idea. Well, I, I mean, I've been around this planet a few times and in the city, like all of you. You've flown a lot more than I have. Well, uh-huh. Why in the world are they calling this the storm of the century? Granted, we're only getting maybe three to six inches, maybe. And I know it's going to be windy out, but I, I mean, they just all the media does is scare everybody, and now everything's closed. Just yeah. like COVID. And that's Our coming. basketball game's canceled today. Yoga's canceled. Churches, everything. It's like COVID flashbacks. And that's somebody, that's coming from somebody who used to stand over overpasses and point at snowflakes and right. say snowpocalypse. Right. I did. That was me. Exactly. That was I'm, I'm part of the problem. Yeah. But if it, was a bad, if it was a bad snowstorm, I'd say this one's a yawner. All right. Well, All listen, right. I, don't, I don't want to have to planes, trains, and automobiles this thing. But we need so to get Dan some, home. Some of our, one of our rich listeners, let's go. Scramble can, the jet. I can help out if you need. I can drop your car off at Midway. We got to get you out of O'Hare before noon, because that's when the warning starts. Doesn't right. doesn't Hewitt have like a jet share or something like that that he could just like drop I on would us? Think. Or Air Hannity? Come on now, Air Hewitt. Yeah, Air Hannity, Sean Hannity. Air Hannity. Where's all the big shots to help out a little fish here in Chicago? That's right. Yeah. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. I've been um, meaning to get to this uh, all week, but last show of our last show of the year. Yes, seems like an opportune time to do it. The most idiotic statement of 2022, and I've narrowed it down to I think six. It's not easy. There's a lot of dumb people that say a lot of dumb things in positions of authority in this country and around the world. Focusing on America, of course. I mean, you could do just Illinois, and you could have hundreds of right. submissions. So it's difficult. So you, you go to the, the idiotic statements from the people that had perhaps the most influence on 2022 in terms of policymaking. Although I do have Kamala Harris in there. She has no influence. So a bit of an outlier. But you feel... You have to include her because she's the category so is idiotic. idiotic statements. Yeah, right. how could you not have a submission from Kamala Harris? All right, so I, I want to vote on this, and um, we want your help. Three one two six four two five six zero zero turnkey dot pro answer line six four six three six. Type in DA, then a quick comment. Well, I don't want your help. I, well, your yeah. help is your vote. I mean, you can say, well, why didn't you include that? But we're not adding to the ballot. Okay. Oh, this is God. the final ballot. <laughs> All right. This uh, is the final countdown. All right. I'm going to give you, uh, and you also think about it in terms of, you know, categories like the midterm elections, COVID, right? Okay. That's how I thought about it, at least. Just trying to give you my thinking behind it. Uh, quote, unquote, presidential historian. And I really heavy on the air quotes. Michael Beschloss talking about the midterm elections a week before the November 8th midterm elections. Submission number one, most idiotic statement of the year. A historian 50 years from now, if historians are allowed to write in this country, and if there are still free publishing houses and a free press, which I'm not certain of, but if that is true, a historian will say what was at stake tonight and this week was the fact whether we will be a democracy in the future, whether our children will be arrested and conceivably killed. We're on the edge of a brutal authoritarian system, and it could be a week away. 
A brutal authoritarian system could be a week away. Your children will be arrested and then killed. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, that's pretty good. All right, uh, that's number one. Number two, I mean, how could you not have a submission from Tony Fauci? You can't. So here he is. Hang in there. This will end. We can get through even a winter surge by implementing the countermeasures that we have, vaccinations, boosters, masking in indoor settings, being prudent. No, that's not it. No, that's the wrong. That's the no, no, no. That's not it. All right, we're going to have to come back to Tony Fauci. I need Tony Fauci. I am science. That's which I mean, need I say more? Tony Fauci, I am science. That's one of the seminal statements of the last 50 years, much less the last 12 months. All right. Tony Fauci 2.0 is another submission. Uh, You've seen him, although he hasn't gotten the profile of a Fauci because who short of Jesus Christ has Uh, Ashish Jha, Dr. Ashish Jha on the vax. An important part of the conversation we have in the days and weeks ahead. Because here's what we know. If folks get their updated vaccines and they get treated, they have a breakthrough infection. We can prevent essentially every COVID death in America. (laughs) That is a remarkable fact two and a half years after we found this. All right. So you got Michael Michael Beschloss, Uh brutal authoritarian regime a week away if Republicans take control of Congress. And your children will be arrested and killed. Ashish Jha, uh, we can prevent all COVID-related deaths. Mm-hmm. We can stop death. That's almost a bigger statement than I am science from Tony Fauci. No. Nope. So, so you got uh, Beschloss, Tony Fauci, and then Tony Fauci 2.0 so far. Those are three. All right. Can I play? But mine's local. You, you don't have a submission. Well, I, These I, are my I'm idiotic not... statements of the Fine, year. Fine, all right. No. Mine's about your girl, Denise Wang Stoneback. No, 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 no. D-nice. Not even close. Right. No. Uh, th- fourth. And I granted her two submissions because of just the volume of her work. Kamala Harris. She's the vice president of the United States. Uh, she uh, loves Venn diagrams. I mean, loves them. Mm-hmm. So this is a mashup of her affinity for Venn diagrams because one statement doesn't capture the depths of her adoration. Remember Venn diagrams, those three circles, right? And then let's just see where they overlap. You will not be surprised because I have constructed a Venn diagram on this. Remember those three circles, how they overlap? I love Venn diagrams. So (laughs) I just do. Whenever you're dealing with conflict, pull out a Venn diagram, right? And so, you know, the three circles. And so I, so I, I asked my team, right? They're I'm fantastic. Out right now that you- he sees the Venn diagram of it all. He sees that there are those circles, and maybe people seem that they're a little different. They live in different parts of the country. They may be different age or different race. But that area in the middle, that overlap. But I asked my team to do a Venn diagram of where these attacks are happening. So voting rights, women's reproductive rights, LGBTQ rights. And, of course, there was a huge intersection. You know, I asked my team to do a Venn diagram for me of where they were seeing attacks and who are the attacks against and the similarity. And when you look at a diagram of the, uh, just a Venn diagram in that regard, it it tells a a real tale. Yeah, there's no challenge too great for a Venn diagram to solve. Ain't no diagram like a Venn diagram. Uh, Venn diagram don't stop. 
Kamala Harris uh, submission number two. Okay. Mammary glands. Not to mention, you know, I grew up in a household where the term mammary gland was used all the time. <laughs> <Mammary>. <laughs> Any of the scientists here, you'll know what that means. You know, hormones, hormones. It was always, that was part of the conversation at the dinner table. Okay, so I, I grew up with all women, too. We didn't talk about mammary glands. The, the, it's the breasts. I guess, well, well, it's interesting. You're not a scientist and you knew what mammary glands were. I, she was just talking what? to the scientists there. Mammary glands, sure. You remember the mammary glands conversations at the dinner table? Oh, those are such wonderful times. All right, so those are, so. okay, so you got Beschloss, you got uh, Tony Fauci. Yeah. Here's, here's, Tony, here's, here's Tony. Tony Fauci. So if they get up and criticize science, nobody's going to know what they're talking about. But if they get up and really aim their bullets at Tony Fauci, well, people could recognize there's a person there. So it's easy to criticize. But they're really criticizing science because I represent science. To criticize Tony Fauci is to criticize science. Because he is science. Right. Uh, Talking to the scientists out there, as we do when we use phrases like mammary glands. Uh, all right, Betchloss, Tony Fauci, Tony Fauci 2.0, Ashish Jha, COVID boosters will stop all COVID deaths here and forever. Right. Uh, Kamala 1, her Venn diagrams, Kamala 2, uh, mammary gland conversations. And then the last submitter is uh, Senator Lex Slingblade from Pennsylvania. <laughs> what, what, didn't he win some fashion award, the most fashionable He's on politician? The, on the list, yeah, on the list, absolutely. Of 2022? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, hoodies and uh, grow up athletic shorts are yeah cargo shorts. Oh, current. Uh, John Fetterman. John Fetterman on fracking. You oppose fracking. Now you support fracking. How do you respond? Frack. I do support fracking, and I don't. I don't. I support fracking, and I stand, and I do support fracking. Oh. It clears it up. <laughs> Uh, John Fetterman, second submission, <laughs> his opening statement at his uh, singular debate with Dr. Oz. Hi. Good night, everybody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> short night. Called it early. Hi, everybody. Good night, everybody. Uh, all right. So those are my offerings. Those are my six uh, entrants for most idiotic statement of 2022. John Fetterman, Kamala Harris earned two submissions each. This is what often happens at the, you know, at the Oscars or something. Right, you can be nominated for two categories. That's right. Um, or you can be uh, a artist that gets multiple nominations, nominations in the same category mm, if yes. you're a, a, for composing. If you're John Williams, for example. Uh, all right. So John Fetterman, John Fetterman, Kamala, Kamala, Fauci, Ja, Beschloss, three one two six four two fifty six hundred Turnkey Dot Pro answer line six four six three six D A Turnkey Dot Pro text line. The polls are now open. Do you have a favorite? I'm going with Fetterman. I knew you would. Yeah, not because it's the low-hanging fruit, because I could not believe, first of all, that they let him run. They didn't replace him as a candidate. And also... Great candidate. I mean, well, he's handsome, too, apparently, and quite quite the dresser. Um, and then, you know, I, I it just amazes me that they let that go on. That they let him him run, and then Katie Hobbs, who's of sound mind, body, and soul, let refuses 
refuses to debate Carrie Lake. Let them run. They won. I know. Sorry. Well, why would they? Why would they? We're winning. We're w- why winning. would we stop? That's right. what. That's what winning looks like. Yeah, that's sad. Uh, right, the brain yeah. dead and the cowering in your basement. Mm-hmm. That's those are the. That attributes was their, of your Democrat socialists. Well, that was their game plan, and it worked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're we're less off because of it. All right, Jim and Lagrange, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas. Okay, so you know Fetterman is good, but I think he know not what he do. Yeah, I vote for Fauci because he blinded me with science, Dan. Plus the body of work. I mean, you just got to go with Fauci. He's just totally off the rails. Thanks for the call, Jim. Uh, nice Thomas Dolby reference. Um, and he's retiring, but he's not going away. Which so do you think he's going to get a CNN gig or MSNBC? I hope so. Uh, both, all of the above. Oh really? Why? Just... Why would he have to be limited? Why would somebody of his Ugh. expanse have to be limited by one yeah. idiotic cable news network? Um, he can hang out with um, Chris Hayes and Don Lemon. Oh, he can yeah. do it both. He's Tony Fauci. There's nothing he can't do. You know, speaking of Don Lemon, I don't think his relationship's going to work out. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, Tony Fauci. <laughs> yeah, I, but I, I wanted to explain why, but we'll do that later. I'm speaking in non sequiturs. All right, Tony Fauci. What do you? Who do you like best? Well, I mean, I, the Tony Fauci. I, I agree with Jim. I think the body of work certainly informs it. But I mean, I, the you know, there's there's different iterations of idiotic, right? Kamala Harris is just makes no sense. Tony Fauci has a messianic complex. Yeah, they're different. Okay, they're both forms of uh, idiocy bordering on pathology, but. They're slightly different. So it's what kind of, you know, angle you take to this uh, vaunted category of most idiotic statement of 2022. Cut it a lot of different ways, which makes it so interesting, doesn't it? I'm going to check our text line. John in Wakanda, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Yeah, Brandon, many thanks. This is a tough one because John Fetterman, that's on the level of Admiral Stockdale, why am I here? It's that's sort of like the same thing, but I have to go with Michael Bexloff because it's multi-layered. That we're not going to have, a, we're not going to have writing, uh, reporting. We're right. not going to have this, and it's multi-layered. And the impending doom, I think, is it's uh, Michael Bexloff's hands down. Yeah, thanks for the call, John. I, you know, it is. Uh, it's a tough call. It was even tougher for me to be in the editing room for weeks on end, coming up, <laughs> making decisions to narrow it down to six. But um, the best loss, I agree. Like if we still have historians fifty years from now, if we still have the the written and spoken word um, after your kids are arrested and killed by oh, Kevin yeah. McCarthy and Mitch McConnell. Because they're coming for your kids. Well, protect your children. Don't forget about the snowstorm that's yeah. coming and the blizzard of the century. They say, you I, protect your babies. I, uh, yeah. I'm going to die. Yeah, the Beschloss thing, particularly when he's, I'm, I'm, you know, Tony Fauci's billed as a scientist, Beschloss is billed, billed as some sort of presidential historian. Tough call, tough call. But I I think if you were looking body of work, yes. not to break this town uh, too much, but then, yeah, you give the nod to Fauci. But just on the merits of the statement, yeah, I think it is Beschloss. Uh, if I was a member of the Academy voting on the most idiotic statement of the year, I think I would cast my vote for Bechelos. Mark in Rochelle. Yeah, I have to vote for Fauci because personally, every time he gets up there, he reminds me of this Star Trek episode. It was called uh, 
show of force when they were going to the planet where the Nazis won. And they had that character that got up there to speak. And he just kind of stiff-necked and the way he talks and his face just looks like that character that the Nazis put up for propaganda. And I think it fits. Uh, I, I, I know the episode you're talking about. I hadn't thought about that reference. But, yeah, I kind of see it. All right. Mm, it's not bad. Um, we do have one write-in vote that's already been submitted. It's a local. I didn't include any local. Perhaps that was an oversight. Again, difficult to um, get down to six. Is this where I can play? Or is this... No. There's a local. It's a write-in vote that's been submitted. It's not your submission. It's a write-in vote that's been submitted. Okay. And it's uh, for this statement. Most idiotic statement of 2022. Folks, just wait till Memorial Day and our summer. It will be the summer of joy yes. in Chicago. Yeah, yes. that's That's a good one. That's a good one. How many dead? That's I like mean, when you wrote in my name for Comptroller or something. I wrote you in for Comptroller. Yeah. And voted for you. Yeah. 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 It was a good one. Good write-in vote. Yeah. And so so this is a good write-in submission. Summer of joy. Summer of joy. Uh, and it was. Oh. She, she, <laughs> I mean. She, was, she nailed she it. Nailed, she, she was she, not wrong. She got a perfect 10 on that one. All right. We'll keep the phone lines open. Yeah. Um, and maybe we'll take a few more write-in votes. If they're as good as that one. Connect with Dan and Amy on the AM560 The Answer mobile app. Just text the word app to 64636 to download the app today. Good morning, Dan and Amy. We're still taking your uh, calls and texts. I know we got a lot of texts on the most idiotic statement of 2022. We've got uh, six that uh, I curated, six entrants, and then we've got a write-in vote that we've elevated to for consideration, (laughs) Lightfoot Summer of Joy statement. And then what about Joe Biden's one word to describe America? We'll get that. We'll yeah, it was like a, it was like a mumbling, like an unintelligible mumbling. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, all right. Uh, so uh, and somebody else texts it in. I have to go with VP Harris. I like mamma, mammary glands too. Yeah. Who doesn't like a good mammary gland? No, or a conversation about them. I, I like she used to have at the dinner table. So yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we do have to address. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's address to Congress yesterday, making the case for more aid from us to them. And uh, take your comments on whether or not you were persuaded by Zelensky that we should uh, continue to provide him the weapon systems and aid that he seeks to repel the Russians. Here's what Zelensky had to say in part. Against all odds and doom and gloom scenarios, Ukraine didn't fall. Ukraine is alive and kicking. And then he went on to say, Now it's all or nothing Cause we said You follow me You follow me And I I I you when things go wrong what you gonna do when it all cracks up? What you gonna do when the love burns down? What you gonna do when the pain goes out? What you gonna come and turn the tide? What's it gonna take to make dreams survive? What's gonna touch you? Come storm inside. Who's gonna save you? I love you. 
wearing army green. Ready? Come on. Yeah. And I <laughs> and thought, walked out. He's like, I'm laughing, kicking, and I thought that had was, the military boots on and walked out. I thought that was the best part of the speech myself. 312-642-5600-turnkey.pro-line. 646-36-DA-turnkey.pro-text. I'm ready to give him whatever he wants after that performance. So we've given him $50 billion. He was here yesterday. got $45 billion more. Uh, I'm kind of with the McCarthy on this one. I think it's time to focus on Americans in need because we're going to have this thing called a recession next year where I think we should pump the brakes a little bit. I mean, we know why he was here because Congress is changing hands and he wants to make sure that he could secure more money for the future because we're our there we're, we're your friend. That's what I walked away with. So you're so I'm I'm sorry. So you're opposed to additional aid to Ukraine. Yeah. Three one two six four two five six zero zero turnkey dot pro answer line six four six three six. Type in DA then a quick comment because we also gave them the Patriot missile system um, to help out and we've given them a lot. And this sounds like an open-ended checkbook that we have for Ukraine. Well, that prompts the questions, what are you going to do when things go wrong? What are you going to do when it all cracks up? What are you going to do when the love burns down? Who's going to come and turn the tide? <laughs> What's it going to take to make a dream survive? Who's got the touch to come and storm inside? Wow. Who's going to save you? Eleven kicking. Uh, yeah, we have done that. Here's uh, uh, the argument for aid, as offered by the Wall Street Journal editorial board, which won't surprise too many. Uh, If Mr. Putin, they write, had crushed Kiev within days, as he and U.S. intelligence services expected, Russian forces would now control nearly all of Ukraine and man the border of Poland and other frontline NATO states. There would have also been additional dominoes to fall. It's theorized Moldova would have been next and one or more of the Baltic states would have been in Putin's sights. NATO would have been divided over how to respond for fear of Putin's wrath. So then forget about Finland and Sweden joining NATO as they're currently doing. Germany would be conflicted and Western Europe would be more vulnerable to Russia's energy blackmail. Rather than that, you have one of the world's Uh, most noxious dictators and an enemy of the West and America in particular in a real difficult position because of the cost that Ukraine has imposed on Russia for their invasion. Uh, As the journal writes, the faster and more decisively Ukraine regains its territory, the sooner Russia may reconsider its disastrous war. In other words, get Putin to the negotiating table and end this thing. And then, you know, Putin has exacerbated tensions at home in these sort of 83 uh, federated uh, territories under Russian control, uh, with some taking a disproportionate amount of the human losses in terms of where Russian soldiers who've been sent to the front have have come from. Right. So there is uh, rumblings at home that Putin has to deal with as well. So isn't a destabilize Putin and a stronger NATO alliance that extends further east to cut Putin off at the pass with respect to his dreams of uh, 
of a reconstituted Mother Russia, isn't that a good thing? And is it worth some American support? I mean, again, you know, hundred billion dollars. Obviously, that's a lot of money. Yeah. But in the context of the money that we spend, I think we're spending just south of that on the Michelle Obama Trail in Georgia. <laughs> So, you know. But I mean, a hundred billion dollars. What do we have to show for that? Well, we have. I like some concrete evidence of what what where that money is going and what what's it actually well, helping. Well, well, I mean, there, there's no question that it's provided the weaponry for Ukraine okay. to impose the costs on Russia that it's imposed to maintain. Uh, yeah, basically, at this point, an advantage in with respect to control of the country. There's no question about that. Without the U.S. Uh, it would be a much different situation on the ground in Ukraine. And so that's what we've gotten for now in terms of the accounting for all the money. As we mentioned yesterday, when we were talking to Steve Moore about this. Yeah, there are real questions about that. There was even a political story this week about the questioning how much of the aid that is of a humanitarian or a sort of, sort of soft military support nature, how much of it is actually getting to uh, to the ground in Ukraine well, the hardware is a little easier to track, but um, I mean, those are legitimate questions, but I don't know if that eliminates the or addresses the overall question of whether or not we should be providing support in this fight for Ukrainians to repel the Russians who invaded their country. And hey, if these guys want to fight for their country and they want to, uh, we should be on the side of, of, of helping people that uh, want to pursue the same self-determination that we would want to pursue in this country. With the added benefit of this becomes a ally, maybe, probably maybe an ally of convenience. Ukraine has all sorts of underlying problems that we've discussed at some length as well. And those aren't going to go away, even if the Russians do. But uh, nonetheless, if you look at this geopolitically with respect to allies in Western Europe and our responsibilities in the NATO alliance and the strength of that alliance, there are some positives to take away from our support of Ukraine. All right. Take some calls here. Uh, Nick, Northwest Side. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. Uh, the relationship with Russia to Ukraine is like in the old days, the relationship of England to Scotland uh, was considered to be uh, like a colony, like, like the people should be lucky that we want to embrace you and control you, and you should rely on us to control your destiny. And uh, this is what's going on now in more modern times with Russia versus Ukraine. Uh, people have to understand the Russian nation itself, the Russian people. I don't like to condemn a whole group of people, but no. uh, they are mostly people who who just love to. Uh, and they 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 praise uh, Stalin, who did save uh, Russia from the Nazis, but he also they know he uh, instituted a. Uh, famine against Ukraine as punishment for wanting to be uh, free and independent. Uh, one lifetime ago, up to 7 million people died. Uh, they know that the Katyn massacre in Poland, uh, which was proven after uh, Stalin died by finding a document that he had actually signed approving that, that uh, there are approximately 4,000 there alone, besides the many people killed, uh, Polish people who wanted to not be uh, you know controlled by Russia and not go along with the Russians when they were occupying that uh, part of Poland uh, that uh, was agreed to with uh, Hitler. Uh, th- this this is a big mess. If if people don't help out Ukraine now, which the Europeans are doing it much more 
as much as they can because they recognize that once Ukraine falls, Russia is that much closer to them with the countries that are NATO members that border Ukraine and the non-NATO members. Uh, this is going to be a, a big catastrophe later on, uh, bigger than if by helping them now. That's what I feel. Thanks for the call, Nick. Appreciate it. Uh, Marty in Naperville. Good morning. A couple of things. Number one, my whole life I've heard, 64 years old, my whole life i heard about NATO. I see these guys walk around NATO helmets on. Why isn't NATO giving them any money? Why isn't, why isn't Poland, that they're part of NATO, why aren't they helping? And well, I, Poland's uh, taking in Again, they walk around with refugees. the helmets on all the time. What's that? Poland's taking in hundreds of thousands of refugees. I mean, they're doing what they well, can. Donald the, the, Trump the, the, went to Europe, and Donald Trump asked the NATO members to pay your financial end of it. It, it, it these cost money. I understand. We're taking refugees in too, from 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 all over from the southern border. Apparently, refugees. Why isn't NATO kicking in some money for this? Because again, like somebody had said, I forgot who said in Congress, but you know, where's this money going? All right, you want to give somebody a tank, give them a tank. You don't give them the money to buy the tank. You know, not to sound funny or anything, but Zelensky stands there and looks like he's doing an ad for the Chicago Health Club for crying out loud. You know, like the fatigues? Yeah. All right, thanks for the call, Marty. So here's the thing. So um, the NATO countries have kicked in. They are kicking in. The Baltic states have kicked in, actually at a higher uh, per capita GD, you know, per, per per capita GDP rate than than America. Although obviously America has provided by far the most support in terms of actual dollars and military equipment, but they have kicked in billions of euros. Uh, the NATO countries in Western Europe, so they're not completely absent. Is America uh, bearing the brunt of the burden? Yeah, as we normally do. But, uh, you know, as as we normally do in efforts that are worthwhile, too. I mean, the, the question is, is the effort worthwhile? Because if the effort's worthwhile, then you expect the world's singular superpower, that would be us, to provide leadership. Well, that's what we're supposed to do. Provide leadership. Uh, Kevin Huntley. Uh, yeah, I support completely funding uh, Ukraine, not completely paying for their war, but I fully support it. I think uh, Rand Paul's right. You need oversight on where the spending is going. The idea that the left is going to take the moral high ground on this and all of a sudden they believe in the Russian boogeyman is ridiculous. And the fact that we're giving them this win uh, morally is is the biggest self-inflicted wound since, since nominating Mitt Romney. Uh, we're giving them, here's what we're getting. Amy, you asked what we're getting for this $100 billion. We're beating the Soviet Union once and for all. This is going to be the end of the Russia that we know. And, and we spent tens of trillions of dollars in the Cold War. $100, $200 billion. We spent $700 billion a year in Afghanistan and Iraq. And we didn't even get our, our goals achieved really yeah afghanistan I mean, sure what's the what's the news out of afghanistan this week the taliban is uh eliminating girls from attending school yeah you know, they can't yeah. go to university no school, or school too period. but also the universities they banned them from well, yes yeah, school period 
I mean, so Threats yeah. Think. So what did we do with with Afghanistan from Charlie Wilson's war to present? Right. Uh, well, well, you know exactly yeah. what was going to happen in Afghanistan when we saw how creepy Uncle Joe pulled us out of there. And yeah. There's no mystery. Oh, people died. But anyway, thirteen thank you people guys. died. Thanks. Everybody forgets about that. Thanks for the call, Kevin. Um, yeah, and um, uh, I mean, I, I just wonder where that flag that Zelensky gave to Pelosi is going to go. Probably. Probably oh. so, so, like a prominent place in Paul Pelosi's rumpus room, I hope. <laughs> hmm. The rumpus room. Uh, Paul and New Lennox. Mm. Hi, guys. Uh, just want to make a comment. I read a book called The Mouse That Roared. Great Ukraine movie, Peter O'Toole. Yes, uh, Ukraine's the mouse that's roaring. And it's how much do we leave in uh, Afghanistan? And now this is going to be another $100 billion. That's all I have to say. It's getting pretty... Uh, disgusting out there about what they're doing so have a great holiday merry christmas thanks for the call paul although um uh the must that roared um so the the if that was analogous it would be surrendering it'd be the russia surrendering to ukraine like uh was it america was it like new fenwick i think was like the fictional country in that like uh, so so i don't know if that exactly holds up but i mean uh i want to go back to uh, kevin and huntley's point too about the Soviet Union, because uh, these are all, you know, Soviet holdovers, these hardliners, these former KGBers like right. Putin. Uh, it would have also helped, by the way, all this uh, flag waving and virtue signaling and check writing from Biden. Hey, uh, anybody uh, remember from, you know, five minutes ago when he sent uh, the most notorious arms trafficker in the world back to hang out with Vlad? How's that helping? The oh, cost that's on. right. Yeah, how's Victor Boot helping that's the right. overall cause there, by the way? Oh, by the way, just talking about sort of the, the lack of moral high ground the left has. First of all, they spent the entire 80s decrying Ronald Reagan for instigating a coming nuclear holocaust for calling the Soviet Union the evil empire. And then they uh, conjured up this Russian collusion, and now they're freedom fighters against the against the Russians. They were apologists for them in the 80s, the communists, because they're communists here. They used them as a boogeyman in the the last six years against Trump. And um, uh, after, after ridiculing Mitt Romney for saying they presented a threat when he ran against Obama. Oh, that's right. And now, I mean, so, and now they're, you know, they're using them as the, the bet noir of a, of a freedom-loving people who want to protect democracy the world over. They're, they're starting to sound like neocons, like George W. Bush. I mean, it's really interesting just to see these uh, reinventions of the left's, the, the left's reinventions of their views on Russia and the, these former Soviets that, uh, over the last 40 years, you can't keep track of it because there is no logical thread there. There's no sort of underlying philosophy. It's just using these opportunities to advance their domestic political agenda. And they'll cast Russia or China, however they need to cast them for domestic purposes. That's what's really going on here with all the people with their little Ukrainian flags and their social media accounts. How ridiculous. And Chicago Mayor Lightfoot tweeted out, let's light up Ukraine campaign. Hashtag, let's raise $10 million to purchase 1 million generators for power to power Ukrainian hospitals this winter. 
And of course, she's getting eviscerated. People, you know, Chicago is homeless people everywhere. Take care of our people first. Yeah, maybe yeah, get those. Stop crime on the south and west side, Lightfoot, before we embark on this. Yeah, get those uh, heaters to those people living in Lightfootvilles on Lower Wacker. Uh, Megan Rochelle, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Good morning. I love you guys. Love your show. Um, Amy Jacobson, I love you, but you need to get your head out of the bubble when it comes to this storm. Yes. This storm. I'm an over-the-road truck driver. We're out hearing it every day. We're the last leg of making sure y'all have goods for Christmas. And 27 below yesterday morning. It's 30 degrees here in Rockford right now. It's coming. It might not be as deep and as heavy in Chicago, but your surrounding areas and the surrounding states are going to get hammered. And you need to be considerate of that instead of saying, I don't know why this is the storm of the century. Hey, it's uh, a bad one with the freezing temperatures hey, coming. Hey, uh, All right, hey, thank you. Hey, Megan, Megan. is your sled coming uh, out to like the Northwest Burbs? Are you, do you happen to be making your way to Southwest Florida? Oh, in the yeah. near term? No, actually uh, not. I'm, mm. com- I'm coming out of Canada to Itasca. Okay, and then where... where and how bad I is could, it from I Canada could, I could here? I could catch you in Itasca. Are you going to Southwest Florida from there? It was 27 degrees yesterday morning, and there's two and a half feet of snow. The snow piles are taller than the semi-trucks. They're up to the roof lines. I saw KFC yesterday in Minnesota where the snow piles were to the roof. Wow. Hey, um, are you part of the Freedom Convoy coming out again? Uh, hey, hey, Megan, I'm, I'm doing the pull the horn thing now. Can, will, you, Hong Kong, will, you can do you? The, will you pull the... Yeah. Hey. Right. It still works. It still works. Shout out to the truck drivers. We love you guys. Thanks for oh, we love you too, Megan. Dang, I like her. That would have been fun if you hitched a ride with her to Florida. I think she is going to Florida. She just doesn't want to take me. That's why she wouldn't answer the question. <laughs> uh, Kyle in Hanover Park. Hey, I just wanted to touch base uh, real quick, say Merry Christmas to both of you. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Also, I would say, minus Sean's perspective where it's one corrupt country fighting another corrupt country, I don't care who wins. If Uh, there was an end game that was clearly laid out like, hey, we need X investment almost as a business strategy. We need X to get to X. But the fact that there's, there is no goalpost, it's just hemorrhaging money, I would say that's the biggest problem most people have with it. But anyway, you guys have a great weekend. Well, that's a fair point. All right, thanks for the call, Kyle. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Foreign laboratories did not have the adequate control measures in place for ensuring proper biosafety, biosecurity, and risk management, ultimately resulting in the lab leak at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Those are the words of Dr. Andrew Huff in his new book, The Truth About Wuhan, How I Uncovered the Biggest Lie in History, Calling the Leak from the Wuhan Virology Lab that he alleges is what occurred. The biggest U.S. intelligence failure since 9-11. Uh, Dr. Huff is a combat veteran technologist and infectious disease epidemiologist who uh, worked for EcoHealth Alliance. This is important because uh, EcoHealth Alliance was one of the outfits getting grants from Dr. Fauci via NIAID. Mm-hmm. And uh, Peter Dazak, the principal at EcoHealth Alliance, was clearly, we know from email communications, 
a close confidant of Tony Fauci, and so thus the public health establishment in this country. For more on uh, what he saw and what he has, what he argues in his new book, The Truth About Wuhan, we're pleased to be joined by Dr. Andrew Huff. Dr. Huff, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. So, um, you know, give us uh, your first person account, uh, what work you did and how you know it was a lab leak. Sure. So, um, I, my, actually, I had sort of a strange career. I, like you said earlier, I began my career in the military, came in the military, and uh, decided that I wanted to become a scientist. And I got degrees sort of all over the place. So I have a degree in psychology, one in security technology, engineering, geographic information systems, and my PhDs in emerging infectious diseases, which is a subdivision of public health. So when, after, well, while I was earning my PhD, I worked at a National Security Research Center, a Department of Homeland Security Center of Excellence at the University of Minnesota, and I was actually being groomed to be a leader in bioterrorism, uh, biowarfare, and biosecurity. And I knocked it out of the park. I completed the PhD quick, uh, two and a half years, which is lightning speed. And they offered me a position basically anywhere in the government where I wanted to work. And I chose to work at this place called Sandia National Laboratories, which is primarily a nuclear weapons laboratory. And I was working on the classified side of bioweapons, bioterror, biowarfare, doing complex simulation and modeling, trying to predict and, and figure out the negative things that could happen from these type of events like pandemics. Well, I got sick of working in this environment because I, I assumed that most of my work would continue to get classified. And if that happens to you as a scientist, you can get stuck there for the rest of your career. So I applied next for this place, uh, to, to a job at this place called Eagle Alliance. And I was hired as a senior scientist of data and technology. And I knocked it out of the park within my first year. Um, I, I've obtained about $6 million worth of funding. And I was promoted to vice president based on that performance. And once I was promoted, um, I became involved with all the other aspects of the com- company. And that's when I really started to see what was going on. There was this program there called PREDICT, which was going around the planet collecting infectious disease samples uh, for coronaviruses and other types of uh, sort of rare infectious diseases from places like bat caves. I asked to be added to this program. Well, they were running around the planet telling everyone that they were going to collect these infectious disease sam- samples so they could predict and prevent pandemics. The only problem was, once I was assigned to this this program, and I read through all the materials, I realized it wasn't possible. And then I found out a, a bunch of other sort of crazy things about the organization. My, my former boss, Dr. Dasik, uh, came to me and asked whether or not he should work with the CIA in 2015. Then, over the next two months, he told me that he was working with them. And, and then there was just a bunch of other really... It, Interesting things in context, which which end up happening. Working we with the C- working with the CIA in what capacity? Good question. I have no clue. So it was just a really quick conversation after work one day, and I think he came and asked me because of my national security background, uh, working in the military and, and in the classified space at the at the laboratory. And the way that he framed the conversation was, he, so this gentleman. Well, I don't even know if it's a gentleman, but he said they had been approached by the CIA. And the person was interested in the places we're working, the people they were talking with, and the data that we're collecting, and referenced China, um, but not really in any great detail. And then sort of over the next few months between uh, meetings at the office, he had just basically confirmed real quickly that the relationship with the CIA was uh, proceeding. So you know, that's the other thing that's strange here, though, too, is that while I worked there around that same time frame, uh, Dr. Dasik came to me and asked me to help him put together 
an investment presentation uh, known as a pitch deck. And we were presenting this to Incutel, which is the CIA's venture capital firm. Huh. So your audience or listeners probably haven't heard of Incutel. You should go check it out. But yeah, but the CIA and the Department of Defense actually have this this investment capital firm. And the thing that we actually end up presenting, or Dr. Gassick presents to the CIA, is this gain-of-function work um, on coronaviruses using this technique or serial passage techniques to, to humanize the virus in mice. And that's the gain-of-function work. So that's actually exactly what we're pitching to the intelligence community. I mean, isn't that, that sort of strange, given what everybody knows now? Well, right. so, well uh, so, yeah, so, so, so let's, let's uh, hold there, gain-of-function research, because this has been a uh, real discussion between Rand Paul and Tony Fauci over the last uh, year, year and a half, uh, in particular those two, but others have, are asking the questions. Repeatedly, Rand Paul has suggested, based on, you know, the uh, textbook definition of gain-of-function research, that, in fact, the NIH or NIAID under Fauci was funding gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Virology Lab. Tony Fauci vehemently denies that, um, suggested, uh, you know, it's taken a person's almost like that. You said uh, impugning his character to suggest such a thing. So from your experience at EcoHealth Alliance and knowing what EcoHealth Alliance was doing, both generally with their pitching of government agencies for government grants, combined with what the relationship was with with the virology lab in Wuhan was the U.S. government underwriting gain-of-function research there. Oh, absolutely. And this is how, how crazy it is. And I was heavily censored by the U.S. government for, for a year. They actually they hacked all my devices. They um, And now we know with the, with the Twitter files, the U.S. government and the FBI had been working with social media companies to censor them. I was heavily censored. I actually got a call from one of the reporters who do it working on the Twitter files um, saying that I'm probably in it. And we'll find out if they do the, the so-called Fauci files dump on Twitter. I mean, this is so bad. I have documents to prove everything that I've said. The gain-of-function research didn't take place at Equal Alliance. It was actually even before uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci was involved. So Dr. Anthony Fauci is lying. He's one of the biggest traitors and, and criminals in human history. He should go to prison. Uh, my former boss, Dr. Dasser, should go to prison. Uh, this work actually began in 2012-ish, you can say, uh, according to the documents that I have. And I, So when you hear Rand Paul and the, the Senate Permanent Select uh, Committee on Investigation speaking, and I spoke to with, with Senator Ron Johnson the other night, I've also spent, uh, spoken with the House Intelligence Committee and provided all my documents to them and their investigators. A lot of their revelations came from the information that I've been providing them for the past two years. I've made all my documents from EcoHealth Alliance uh, publicly available on my Twitter account. It's A-G-H-U-F-F on Twitter. Your audience or you, your, uh, yourself can go download those and look at those documents. I mean, to, as part of these documents, we have reports from the Department of Defense that say that this was gain-of-function work that was executed by EcoHealth Alliance. Uh, and th- those were actually released by uh, Project Veritas. So there's other people who've plugged in different pieces of the pie here, but what this actually looks like is a giant uh, Department of Defense bioweapons operation that went wrong with a side op, uh, side mission of actually collecting intelligence on the bioweapons lab at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Okay, well, at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, who's responsible for the actual lab leak? Well, that would be the Wuhan Institute of Virology, but but the, the thing that's important to, to know here is that the Chinese would not have this bi- advanced biotechnology if it weren't for the United States handing it to them. So we have Dr. Ralph Barrett from the U- University of North Carolina, um, do, who's the, the father of gain-of-function, who actually trains the Chinese and gives them a lot of the advanced biotechnology to Dr. Shi Zhang Li, 
at the Wuhan Institute of Virology to even make any of this possible. Um, so before this gain-of-function work trade sort of takes place, the Chinese uh, bioweapons program, or their, you could just say even their, their research facility, is about 10 years behind the United States. So via EcoAuth Alliance, what happens is we actually get their laboratory up to speed to the point where then they can, they can start doing this type of work um, somewhat independently around the year 2018 or 2019. So, so what's the thinking behind this? Because, okay, so, so Ralph Barrick, we've talked about him in the show before. We've played clips of some talks he's given or interviews he's given on podcasts where he warns about the dangers of this gain-of-function research and, and uh, some of this experimentation, particularly if the, there are not the proper safety protocols in place. And, and we, I understand that Xi Li, who you just referred to, She's the Wuhan virologist who became known as Batwoman because the um, the assertion was that at the Wuhan virology lab, the Chinese communists were trying to create an early warning system for pandemics. And so, like, if you could take it in lights mo- most favorable to the public health establishment, Fauci at USAID and and the rest of the CDC and NIH folks, you say, well, uh, OK, so, I mean, it's in our interest if the Chinese get up to speed, as you were just describing, they're behind the times, they get up to speed. So they have an early warning system for infectious diseases so that the rest of the the, 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 the world, including we in the West, uh, know that there's been an outbreak and can take the necessary evasive actions. So, I, I mean, on its face, is this all nefarious or did it just turn nefarious because of the unwillingness to admit the mistakes that were made and who made them? No, and, and to, so I have to challenge the premise of what you just said. Okay. So the problem here is that, the, so the, the the thing that I noticed as being the big problem when I worked at Equal Alliance was that they were running around telling the world that they were going to predict and forecast pandemics. Right. But when I actually dug into the four inches of, of sort of dense uh, scientific peer-reviewed literature in the reports on this program, they weren't collecting the right data to the samples and applying the right methods to, to ever be able to predict anything. So the whole thing is big farce. And, and to actually predict and forecast or conduct biosurveillance, because that's the, that's the, the, I guess, the, the way to describe what you just said, it has nothing to do with gain-of-function research. There's no reason on the planet to improve a foreign government's uh, biosurveillance capacity or ability where they have to do gain-of-function work. Okay, fa- so, reason- so, 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 yeah, so then if, if, I mean, their press release facade of what we're trying to do, if that's false, okay, then, then why were they doing it and why were we helping? Well, and that's what I discuss in the book, because if you take a look at it and you say, well, there's a few simple questions that, that I like to put forward. So do you think the Chinese government needs $600,000 of U.S. funding to conduct research? Right. They do not. No. Do you think they need, let's put another number, how about $50 million? Do you think the Chinese need $50 million of U.S. US dollars? No, they don't need any U.S. money. Okay. So then what did the Chinese have to gain by allowing Westerners into their bioweapons laboratory? You tell me. Simple. They needed our, our biotechnology. If you look at the, the, the pattern and behavior of the Chinese uh, government and the, the Chinese Communist Party and the relationship with Westerners, Western companies, they lie, cheat, and steal and steal our technology every step of the way. But why would – so knowing that, why would yeah. we and, – and, and knowing the, they, they would – anybody who's rational would say the same thing. So why would we bother with uh, funneling money to the Wuhan Institute of Virology? Why would we, knowing the Chinese uh, – 
communist pension for piracy, why would we be providing this technology, particularly if you say that the, there's no need for gain-of-function research to, to, to erect a early warning system, and they weren't doing the right research to erect an early warning system? So then what's the real game here? What's, what, why are we doing this? It's real simple. So you go back to a couple of things I point, point to in the book. So we submitted this proposal to Incutel, who's a CIA uh, venture capital firm. So the CIA's mission is to collect intelligence, mainly, okay? Also, my boss tells me that he's working with the CIA. So presumably, they contacted him to make him an asset to collect intelligence. So it, and before I went to work at Equal Alliance, it was well known in the national security circles and the, in the military that the Wuhan Institute of Virology was the bioweapons laboratory for the Chinese. Now, when I used to work at Sandia National Laboratories, if we had foreigners show up to the, the, most, the premier um, national security weapons facility in the United States, do you think we took the, 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 you know, if we had Chinese visitors, that we would take them into our most sensitive areas and show right. them what's going on? Yeah, exactly. No. Right, of course. So how would you, how would you gain access then to the Wuhan Institute of Virology? Because the Chinese are not stupid. And I think this was pretty much an open trade where they had to have a contract vehicle in place for the $600,000 to grant acts to, to create a relationship so we, so we could see what's going on in the laboratory. The so so, so this, whole, the, this whole thing was an intel operation is what you're saying? Uh, I believe it was mostly an intel operation, at least with the Chinese, correct. And 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 what was it? I mean, you, it was an intel operation for us, and it was a piracy operation for the Chinese. As the, that that's that was the that was the dynamic. Yes, that was that would be the, the trade. So I wouldn't even call it piracy. I just I'd say this was a sort of open the air deal because obviously the Chinese and Americans know that we're putting Westerners into their laboratory, giving them access to it, and you know the, the government knew that we were giving them advanced biotechnology. So we give you biotechnology to see what you're doing, and then uh, you uh, allow a virus to escape from the lab, and we do the whole uh, okey-doke that we've seen for the last three years about uh, wet markets and so on and so forth to protect this deal. Well, correct, because here's the whole thing. If, the, the, if you look at the, actually the first case of the SARS-CoV-2, the disease actually emerges uh, in late August or early September of 2019. And this is all in peer-reviewed re- literature, which has been replicated. The U.S. government and the Chinese are still claiming that this came out of a, a wet market in December 2019 to this right. day, but we have scientific evidence to prove other ways. So what happens then is that the U.S. government goes into a cover-up operation somewhere in the October, probably the early October time frame of 2019 uh, with the, the Chinese uh, going along with this whole plan. And it, if you, there's actually other documents that I cite in the book where I point to basically like a, a one, one example is a material transfer agreement. The U S government starts working on the MRNA SARS-CoV-2 uh, gene therapy jabs in mid December, 2019. Do, do, do you think there's, I mean, did Peter Daszak ever tell you this This obviously came from the lab? Did any, anybody who's lied publicly ever confide in you this? We know this came from a lab, the lab. Oh, absolutely not. And it's, it's, so, it's so ridiculous. A lot of the people that were getting a lot of press and getting boosted on social media, I, tra- I challenged them to, to public debates. Um, I actually tried to submit a lot of this in peer-reviewed literature to uh, the Lancet and uh, the, the British Medical Journal and other reputable journals, and the editors would not even return my emails, which is, I've never experienced that in my life in, in trying to communicate with, with journal editors. Usually they respond back real quick, no, yes, we're not interested, but they wouldn't even They're respond. They're trying to silence you. Well, and, yeah, and, and, and we'll just and ign- if you look right, at the ignore, money flows, yeah. 
Well, the thing is, if you look at how uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci at night accumulated and increased the size of his budget over his career before he, was, he retired, he actually instituted a very, I'd say, well, multiple conflict of interest within the academic community and then also with the peer-reviewed journals. So what's really criminal here is that it's doing all of us a disservice in science because, you know, if we can't get the truth out and debate things, then we're never going to get to the truth. We're going to keep on making the same same mistakes. And and, I mean, just quickly, the definitive piece of evidence that uh, leads you to conclude without any doubt that it came from the lab. Well, there's several. My favorite is there is a there's a, a patent filed by Moderna on uh, the spike protein in the fern cleavage fern cleavage site of the genetic code of the agent, which matches the wild circulating strain. If we're told that's wild, okay, that's a, a scientific term for a disease that's natural. That was filed in 2016. That matches the the virus that's circulating around the planet. Hmm. Uh, I wish we had more time, uh, but this is uh, really interesting. Dr. Andrew Hoff, combat veteran, technologist, infectious disease epidemiologist. The new book, The Truth About Wuhan, How I Uncovered the Biggest Lie in History. Dr. Hoff, thanks so much for joining us. Good luck with the book. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. Uh, And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. Dan and Amy, so development in the uh, SBF FTX case, that's uh, Sam Bankman Freed, socialist financier and crypto fraudster, allegedly. Yes, please. Uh, he has uh, agreed to be extradited to the United States because I don't think he wants to spend the rest of uh, the next two months in a Bahamian prison. No, and his ex-girlfriend and his ex-business partner are going to be cooperating with the feds. Both pleading guilty to offenses similar to those for which Mr. BF, BF no longer, uh, was charged. And, and of course, um, this calls to mind an opportunity. Remy, my the Weird Al Yankovic of politics, uh, Remy over at Reason Magazine, Reason.com. He's come up with uh, a new, a new wonderful parody song uh, riffing off of uh, Nate Dogg and Warren G's Regulate. On November 6th, the token's value began to fall, losing more than 80% of its worth in the span of 72 hours. Looks like we got a situation on our hands. <laughs> Regulators! Mount up. It was a clear black night. He was sitting at home looking at a JPEG on his trusty iPhone. It was a rare NFT of a hipster mouse. So he did what you do. He mortgaged his house and he put in a bid. He was getting the itch. He couldn't sit there while he saw those other people get rich. But then the market crashed. The value deflated. This shouldn't be allowed. They should regulate it. He saw a JPEG. It looked in demand. So he mortgaged his house. Spent 400 grand. We need to pass new laws to prevent this thing. He wouldn't be so dumb if we regulate. Yeah. What? Um, hmm. That's not 100% what I was talking about. 
I mean, the first part was was okay, but it's more like it was a cool, crisp day. He was watching the game. That's when he saw a commercial with folks of acclaim. Crypto returns that'll never default. So he thought what you'd think. That sounds too good to be false. Mortgaged his house, researched the rate, checked out the CEO. Nothing seemed out of place. But when he checked one morning, the value was gone. We should make fraud illegal. This is all just wrong. He did his research and he studied up, then bought invisible tokens. This guy just made up. It was a harsh consequence for an honest mistake. His IQ wouldn't be five if we regulate. You know, on the message boards for the NFTs, I'm one of the smarter people. So, you do the math. It was a lukewarm noon. He's on Capitol Hill because he got margin called and was facing a bill. You don't understand. I've lost all that I had. You need to pass more laws. This is terribly bad. Uh, excuse me. Thanks for letting me join. But isn't part of the issue him? There's a new dog coin. Maybe the underlying tech is one we shouldn't forestall. It's possible one day. He and Inu, it's called. If he hadn't been allowed to be a hodler, he wouldn't have the impulse control of a toddler. We could end human nature with a pencil today. Why do I have a feeling that they're going to regulate? You shouldn't prey on folks with financial illiteracy By the way, have you seen the state lottery? The Powerball's one billion, you better not wait He's gonna make good decisions when we regulate Oh, Remy is that is good, fantastic. He's really good. He's a great composer. He's got a good voice. He's he always does an excellent job. And there's a point to it. The point essentially caveat emptor uh, for all of the hand wringing over SBF and FTX's meltdown. Uh, you had very sophisticated investors put a lot of money into uh, into Sam Bankman Fried's hands, and uh, they apparently got frauded. And fraud's already illegal, so I'm sorry, what is the federal government going to do to come in and make it all better? For more on this and, uh, well, the legislation pending with the Spendocrats on Capitol Hill, please be joined by Christopher Whalen, investment banker, chairman of Whalen Global Advisors, LLC, and author of Ford Men, From Inspiration to Enterprise. He's also the editor for the Institutional Risk Analyst. Chris, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it. Hey, good morning. Uh, I love that song, by the way. It's oh, it's really great. Genius, isn't it? Um, so what about, but what about the point? Caveat emptor here. That's the real story of uh, FTX. It is. But remember, there are no sophisticated investors. I'm, I'm a member of FINRA, so I'm glad to say that. <laughs> uh, and what I mean by that is we all chase the shiny object. It comes from our need to eat. Uh-huh. And so greed, avarice, stupidity are all wrapped up in the same enchilada. And it, it doesn't matter how smart you are, as you were just saying, Dan. Yeah. There's some really big chops, some big banks that got into this, and they're all going to get smacked. Yeah. Uh, like you said, we don't need new legislation. This is called fraud. It's called unsafe and unsound banking practices, by the way. All the banks that jumped into this, I think they're going to get crucified for uh, not doing KYC on their customers, know your customer, not following anti-money laundering laws, which is the whole point of crypto, right, about money laundering. So we've had this, ten, I don't know, seven, eight-year party, and nobody thought about anything. I love the fact that they're going to try and claw back the political contributions. Yeah, for sure. I'm well, thinking, uh, right. I'm thinking of calling the U.S. trustee and volunteering. I'd like to help them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You just oh, pour yeah. think- through FEC filings. That's easy enough. I mean, we have a congressman here who got $200,000. He's not going to run for mayor. Do you think he should give the money back, too? Like, every politician... Yeah. Most of them are Democrats, a few Republicans. 
No, it's not. It's not a matter of choice. The U.S. trustee that's assigned to the bankruptcy has a duty to report to the court, that is to a federal district judge, on the recoveries. And every single dollar that went out of Sam Bankman Freed's hands, they have to account for. It's all ill-gotten gains. Well, it was stolen from customers. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh-huh. It, yeah. It, it, it's pretty you know, it, it's As pretty a recipient, st- has no defense. Well, that's the, well, that's, the, that's the funny thing. I mean, not the funny thing, but that's the sort of ironic thing about this. All these uh, supposed sophisticated people, you know, everybody's uh, on the FTX side has an MIT degree. Everybody on the institutional investor side uh, are cajillionaires. And uh, yet this is just, uh, as John Ray said, it's just an old-fashioned embezzlement case. I took client funds and used them for my personal expenses. Yeah. That's, That's it. Right. Simple. The states will lead the charge on this because if you take money, if you solicit funds, and you're you know you're guilty of fraud. So. That's really where the, the most of this will happen. And then there's some federal statutes that will come into play. But this is mostly money transfer kind of stuff, you know, and it's governed by state law. Well, what so. do you think is going to happen to Sam? I mean, are they going to deny him bail or because like, Murdoff, no, no, no. he was able to be under home arrest until his trial? No, I, I think they're going to probably treat him a little more harshly than that. Because this is, he can't claim that he didn't know. This is a smart individual. He was having a party, and instead of building a website, he stole money. And it was all enabled by the, the pizzazz of technology, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which again shows you that humans are really vulnerable to fraud. They can't not look at the shiny object. They're just like smallmouth bass. <laughs> <laughs> It's a smallmouth bass in June, and that shiny object just hit the top of the water, and they go up and they hit it. Uh, I can't help it. That's a perfect simile. They're just like smallmouth bass. I'm going to remember that one. Um, All right, I want to get your uh, take on uh, another matter, too. I mean, I know uh, some people are upset about uh, this $1.7 trillion in spend that's pending, but I don't think they've looked at all the good that's going to come from this, for example. Right. Um, I mean, I, we've talked about this before. I mean, it's only $3.5 million for Michelle Obama Trail in Georgia. I mean, that's a bargain at twice the price. Also, uh, sp- <laughs> speaking of fish... Did she go hiking? <laughs> and never came back. <laughs> um, there's also uh, uh, $65 million allotted for the Pacific Coastal Salmon Recovery. And uh, there's $3 billion to make highways more bee-friendly. Um, so, oh, I mean... Beef. Th- so beef? It's not, it's, yeah, bee. Bee as in the insect. Yeah, bee. And, uh, and of course, as we talked about with Steve Moore yesterday, there's, uh, there is money in there for border security. Now, it's border security for Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt, Tunisia, and Oman, but it's still border security. So, I don't want to say... I don't want to pretend like everything in there is waste, Chris. No, but think of... Listen, think of the crypto collapse as the, the prelude to what we're going to face one day when nobody cares about rigging American elections and nobody cares about holding the dollar uh, and they're all doing things elsewhere. And members of Congress aren't going to be able to spend this way. The special rule of the dollar will go bye-bye and everybody will go, oh, me, oh, my, how did this happen? You know, Nancy Pelosi will be in the ground somewhere. Uh, and that'll be it. You know, we'll be Argentina with nuclear weapons. It'll be great. And uh, that will happen. I'm, you know, I don't. I'm not looking for an AOC like prediction here, but I mean, um, how how realistic is that? I mean, we're still 
far and away the tallest skyscraper in Wichita. Yeah. Well, what happened after 2008 is everybody fled to the dollar, and you still see it in the numbers. Uh, the U.S. has no risk premium. In fact, it's negative. Most other countries, there's a premium if you trade in their currency, right? We're the opposite. So we have this gift. You know, God gave us this gift and said, here, you guys can do what you want. And we act like idiots. You know, that's the bottom line. If we're enabled to uh, do whatever we want, then we do. Just like the shiny object, remember, you know? Yeah. They, they're going to dispense uh, bags of groceries. It's like the elections in Mexico. They give away bags of groceries on election day. Oh, so that's great. what we do here. There's we the, spend money. There's a lot of uh, SBF uh, among, you know, SBF sort of attitude among the uh, ruling class. Is sure. What you're saying. You yeah. think anybody who received money from this guy asked where the money came from? <laughs> right. You have this kid who shows up and writes you a check for $10 million. <laughs> right. Right. Well, uh, well, but that, I have news. Yeah. You, you want a piece of news that nobody's reported this week? Please, sure. yes. yes. Uh, we had a major default in the Ginny May market. The government had to come in and buy loans from busted reverse mortgage lender. Uh, the U.S. government now owns a third of that market, and there hasn't been a single story in the financial press. This is a big deal, by the way. Well, it's because uh, that, the, uh, that mortgage billionaire bought the Phoenix Sun, so that's where we're looking at the shiny object. Oh, 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 no, listen, that was a very interesting announcement when Matt Ishiba, uh that he's going into sports because that's bad. Any company that ever puts their name on a on an arena usually ends up badly. You mean like FTX? FTX? <laughs> exactly. uh, no, Lone Depot. You know, there's a whole bunch of them. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Wrigley. What other ones are there? Oh, Wrigley. Wrigley. Yeah. No, I'm just kid, kidding about yeah. that. But you know, you know, Guaranteed you know where Wrigley Spearmint come came from. Where? You guys know this story. It was a giveaway from a paint company. Really? They came up with chewing gum. Huh. <laughs> a long time ago. The marvels of a free society. So, um, so wait, I, I disrupted your point about that uh, default. Of that reverse yeah. mortgage lender. So the uh, the implications of that are what? Well, what it shows you is that the, the Fed's increase of interest rates this year has been very rapid. And the change in pricing in the bond market is causing problems. We, we could even see some banks get into big trouble next year because they just they can't move fast enough to adjust. So, for example... The whole banking system today has arguably got a negative net worth because so many of the bonds that they own from 2020 and 21 are trading in the 70s and the 80s. They can't sell them. They take a 20-point loss. Okay, Banks don't like to take 20-point losses. So the whole system's become illiquid while our friends in Washington are chasing price stability. This was after they were chasing full employment. You remember that? Uh-huh. Um, and this whole law, Humphrey Hawkins, Hubert Humphrey and Augustus Hawkins, uh, is explicitly socialist. But with such a mess in Washington, we can't deal with it. We need to go back and repeal that law. Because the Fed is like the Death Star now. They go back and forth between full employment and price stability. And the, the, the disturbance they cause in the marketplace is huge. And nobody talks about it. So we just assume the machinery will run. Uh, so are you suggesting that uh, we could be looking at some sort of uh, banking crisis in the new year? 
Yes, it's it's starting to happen now. When, nope. when you have people that will not lend against a piece of paper that's guaranteed by Uncle Sam. Remember, a reverse mortgage for right. an elderly homeowner is guaranteed by the FHA. And nobody wants it right now. Well, that's big news. There's a lot of reasons for this, but suffice to say that all of this paper that Uncle Jay created in 2021 with very low coupons, and I benefited from this, by the way. I've got a 3% mortgage. That mortgage I have won't be back in the money for refinance for 10 years, if ever. Okay? So uh, all those people that are sitting there with low-interest mortgages have no incentive to move. Right. Right. They're going to stay right where they are. Nobody's going to be able to buy that house. So you, you have a liquidity problem in many markets that's been created by the Fed. And well, so, home sales declined for the 10th consecutive month. Uh-huh. That's right. And, so, and, and it's not like we're not making mortgages, but we're at a quarter of the level we were two years ago. So a lot of people are going to exit this industry this year. And so, so the manifestation, though, if big banks... Uh, start to experience some rockiness, what, what, what does that look like? What are the downstream uh, consequences? Well, what it looks like is that they're not going to be able to lend because they're going to hunker down and they're going to try and survive through this period. They're going to hope that interest rates eventually fall so they can get dug out of there. And, so, uh, and, and, and so the predictions about a, uh, a shallow but perhaps extended recession are too rosy? Uh, yes. If you get a large bank or non-bank to roll over in the new year, you're going to see stock prices adjust down a lot. That will be wealth destruction on a vast scale. Because if you look at stocks today, despite all the, the, the yowling from Wall Street, they're still not that cheap. My banks aren't cheap. Not at all. So we still have a ways to go. You know, people can't, quite get their minds around the fact that the last couple of years during COVID was basically abnormal. We're not supposed to see stocks go up 40% in two years. Uh, but they think it was fine. All the asset gatherers, you know, right. they're like, oh, right. and they keep telling their clients to go back in. Right. All right. So, so uh, I'm not, I'm not buying equities. I'm not buying crypto. No. I guess I'm going to keep all my money in Trump trading cards. All right, uh, I got uh, it. Uh, uh, you want some high brass double O buck and uh, canned goods and water? Uh, and, uh, oh, 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 we're back to the basics. Uh, okay, okay, we're back to like the, the survival back to the room. Basics. Yeah. All right. Oh, listen, you would you would be surprised at how many Americans have full basements. Uh, I I used to be one of them. Yeah, and, and she will be again. Christopher yeah, Whalen, investment banker, chairman of Whalen Global Advisors, author of Fordman from Inspiration to Enterprise, editor of the Institutional Risk Analyst as well. Chris, thanks as always. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thanks. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. You're listening to Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560. The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, apparently, um, a gentleman named Paul W. has offered use of his Cessna 172 for me to fly to Southwest oh, Florida yeah. if my flight gets canceled again. Propeller uh, prop plane sounds really good in this weather, too. That's a great choice. He's uh, uh, said that the payment would be a 12-pack. We're going to have to stop a couple times, so I don't think a 12-pack <laughs> is going to be enough for me, and I also don't want my pilot drinking. I think you're going to have to stop four or five times, No. Right? No, three times? 
twice oh. to, to Florida. Yeah. Um, I have access to a Cessna 172, but uh, I wouldn't trust myself to fly because it's been a while. Do you have your instrument reading? No, just VFR. Okay. So that would make it complicated too because it's dark. <laughs> so And there's a lot of other swirling than that, snow around. Too. I don't know. Maybe I'll just, you know, maybe before this becomes like a plane, trains, and automobiles thing, maybe I'll just uh, rent a car and do a little blue highways. Just, uh, oh, you know, yeah, that'll be safe. Experience America, the America that exists between Chicago and Southwest Florida. Huh. All right, we'll consider that. A um, friend from uh, up north got a bunch of snow in advance of this yeah. snowpocalypse. And the, Biggest uh, storm of the century, according to CBS News. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, the whole like weather hysteria thing is always... Bomb cyclone, they're calling it. Yeah, well, the, but the snow bomb. By the same token, I'm not going to you know strip to my undies and go outside and play, too, when it's 15 <laughs> below. Uh, so um, so here, here's what I got from my, uh, my friend uh, per this uh, snow, the first big snowfall they experienced. Received uh-huh. about 20 inches of snow last night, so I made a snowman. A feminist passed by and asked me why I didn't make a snow woman, so I, I made a snow woman. My feminist neighbor complained about the snow woman's voluptuous chest, saying it objectified women everywhere. The gay couple living nearby threw a hissy fit and moaned it could have been two snowmen instead. Oh, okay. The trans man, woman, person asked why I didn't just make one snow person with a, with detachable parts. Yeah. This is, you know, this is all in the first half hour. Uh-huh. The vegans at the end of the lane complained about the carrot nose as veggies are food and are not properly used to decorate snow figures. I'd be called a, being called a racist because the snow couple is white. I used food coloring to make one of the snow couple a different color and more racially inclusive. Then I was accused of using blackface on a snow person. The Middle Eastern gent across the road demanded the uh, snow woman be completely covered. (laughs) The police arrived saying someone had been offended. Of course, police matter. Feminist neighbor complained again that the broomstick of the snow woman needed to be removed because it depicted women in a domestic role. As witches, yes. Oh, yeah. no, or that, too. Yeah, then the uh, village uh, village's council on equity officer arrived and threatened <laughs> me with eviction. <laughs> TV uh, news crew from ABC showed up. <laughs> probably, uh, yeah. I don't know, who, who's at ABC now? Uh, John, John Garcia. John Garcia, yeah, John Garcia showed up. Yeah. Asked if I know the difference between uh, snowmen and snow women. I replied, snowballs, and now I'm a sexist. <laughs> I was on the news as a suspected terrorist, racist, homophobe, and sensibility offender bent on stirring up trouble during difficult weather. (laughs) I was asked if I have any accomplices. My children were taken by social services. Far-left protesters, offended by everything, marched down the street demanding that I be arrested. The boss called and fired me because of the negative association with work that had been all over social media. And I cry into my drink because all I wanted to do was build a snowman, and here I stand. This is uh, 2022 America summed up with the simple, this is sort of like the Leonard Reed version of uh, building a snowman in 2022 America. All I want to do is build a snowman, and this is what happens in 2022 America. Pretty good. That is I like, excellent. I like the use of building a snowman to uh, Can you tweet that out? provide some social commentary. Yeah, hmm. I'll have to tweet that out. Uh, for uh, more on uh, this Christmas season, Paul Kanger, Professor Paul Kanger, editor of the American Spectator, congratulations. Uh, back in October, he was named uh, the new editor of the American Spectator, taking mm-hmm. over for the storied R.M. Terrell. 
Uh, he's also a professor of poli-sci at Grove City College and Grove City, PA, one of the few universities you're allowed to send your kids to these days. And uh, author of The Devil and Karl Marx, Communism's Long March of Death, Deception, and Infiltration. Paul, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Yeah, hey, thanks, Dan and Amy. Can I wish you a Merry Christmas, or is that verboten? Well... I think I can say it to you guys, yeah, right? You can, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm up for it. Thank and, you very much. But, but Same you, back but at you. Couldn't you. Say it to the, you couldn't say it to the snowman or and, snow thing. Right, snow exactly. person. Yeah, and snow right, couple, right, so on yeah, and so forth. Yeah. Um, Dr. Vivek Murthy, uh, he's uh, the Surgeon General. He's uh, trying to stand up a Ministry of Truth, Murthy's Ministry of Truth, you may remember, too, when it comes to all things COVID-related. Uh, he has a Merry Christmas uh, wish for all of us, you included, Paul, and I'd like you to hear it and comment on it. I am Dr. Vivek Murthy, Surgeon General of the United States, reminding you that the most important thing you can do to keep yourself, your loved ones, and your community safe from COVID-19 is to get an updated COVID vaccine. These vaccines are easy to get and proven to protect you from serious illness. Visit vaccines.gov to find one today. Thanks so much, and travel safely. Oh, thank right. you. You oh, can have a Merry you. Christmas, Paul, or you can die. Your choice. <laughs> or kill Grant. Well, and you know, I, you know, this whole booster thing, we are now dealing with COVID variants and mutations. And how, how do they even know that whatever they've produced, booster for whatever it is that's that the thing has evolved to is going to work is it really proven know that he said proven illness by the way which right. was interesting right i mean he's very careful in what in what he says there so are, are they going to start mandating this vaccine for for what for what variant is it even up with the current variant and of course, liberals don't even ask these things. They just put on their their masks so they can virtue signal to one another. It's it's just, it's just crazy. I know. And the mayor, Mayor Adams from New York, he had a mask on during his press conference yesterday, and then a few hours later was at a club, of course, without his mask on. Yeah, what a joke. What a joke. Uh, yeah. And, and, and again, probably not wishing anybody a Merry Christmas. But, you know, we spend all we spend uh, corporate America spent all of June celebrating Gay Pride Month. Right. You know, the you know, the NFL launched a football is gay campaign. Uh, you know, NASCAR is even using gay pride logos. And um, I got an email from from a reader of mine, an American Spectator, who sent me a company email from his company HR person, telling them that in November uh, they recognize Intersex Day of Remembrance, November eighth, Transgender Awareness Week, November thirteenth through nineteenth, and Transgender Day of Remembrance, November twentieth. And and this person said to me, you know, I want to see if uh, the HR person is going to send out an email wishing everybody. A Merry Christmas. I bet. I bet they're not, and of course they're not. Of course. So it, 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 the, the whole thing it, it, it's just modern America has really become depressing and depraved. Well, we're well beyond Merry Christmas. So the elimination of said we we can't use the term uh, American anymore. We have to use the term U.S. citizen, according to Stanford. Oh, that's and, right. We don't want to upset people. And the and uh, in the Marine Corps. The Marine Corps has been advised that its drill instructor should no longer be referred to by gender terms like ma'am or sir. What? 
This is the Marine Corps. Uh, the Army, Navy, and Coast Guard effectively de-emphasize gender in an integrated environment. Instead of saying ma'am or sir, recruits in these services refer to the drill instructors using their ranks or roles, followed by their last names. Gendered identifiers prime recruits to think about or visually search for a drill instructor's gender first before the rank or role. Right. They, If you don't use ma'am or sir, they won't notice who the men and women are, you see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and by the way, U.S. citizen, I mean, that would exclude people living in America who aren't U.S. citizens. So, I mean, there's something, <laughs> something excluded. I mean, wouldn't that be some form of you know, discrimination, phobia against, um, you know, what, non-documented citizens or immigrants or whatever? Well, that's right. So, Pe- you know, people all, can't all be illegal. Problems here. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, people yeah. can't be illegal. Um, also, just on, the, um, on this topic, I mean, just how truly depraved it's getting and and sick and dangerous, particularly as we're removing parents from medical decisions related to their children. The latest mutilation of children, shoulder width reduction surgery. Have you seen this? No. In addition to, you know, mutilating, allowing kids to mutilate themselves with respect to their reproductive parts and so forth. Shoulder width reduction surgery. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's part of transitioning. Yeah. It's all body positivity. I mean, so, you know, you want you're transitioning from your, your, you know, going pretending to go from a dude to a woman and you want to look the part. So you want. Oh, my God. I mean, that's some that's some. And there's pictures of it's brutal. It's oh, disgusting. I see. Wow, wow. That's, that's uh... really brutal. I, I mean, I, I mean, the number of lawsuits that ought to be coming out of this you know, ought, ought to be, you know, pun intended here, crippling, right, to the to the whole healthcare industry, the whole mental health industry. I mean, people need to fight back. I mean, if your kid goes in and is, and is maimed with with what shoulder what what's it called shoulder, shoulder. with reduction surgery. Oh, wow. I, I, I mean, you know, that on top of what they're doing to, to, to your private parts and your children, I mean, this is absolute madness. And, and the only way that, that it could happen would be with, with, with ideology, the insanity of liberal, progressive, secular, progressive ideology behind it. But, it's, but at some point, Dan, Amy, you know, I, I've, just, I've just been wanting to know, when are the lawsuits going to come along that, 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 that are going to smack all of this down? And, and in fact, I'm still waiting. You know, here we are now, December 22nd, 2022. I, I'm still waiting for the, for the, the, the vax mandate. Uh, 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 lawsuits to hit. And you know, I, a friend of mine sent me an email a couple weeks ago about a very close friend of his who got all of his COVID shots because he was required to because of, of where he teaches. Yeah. And, 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 and the, the guy immediately had a series of strokes and the guy, the guy now can, can barely speak. And, and I, and I said to my friend, I said, his family should be suing the daylights out of the school. And he said, well, you know, blah, 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 blah. I, 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 I don't, I don't think they ever proceeded with it. I think the only way that you, that you can fight back with some of these things is unfortunately to fight back legally. Well, and, uh, you know, there's more and more, dare I say, science that would support such claims um, against, particularly against mandates and any adverse outcomes. Uh, this study out of the Cleveland Clinic, which is getting no attention for obvious reasons, you'll, they'll be obvious in a moment. The, uh, clini- the Cleveland Clinic study um, finds that uh, the risk of infection in uh, the cohort they looked at 
the risk of infection increases incrementally with each prior non-bivalent vaccine dose. So as you're as you've been getting the vax and the boosters, your risk of infection has been increasing incrementally to this period now of the bivalent vaccines. Yeah, I'm not surprised. In fact, I remember one of the first studies that I was citing when I was writing on this stuff was a Cleveland a Cleveland Institute clinic study of something like 52,000 employees. I mean, the number, I, I, I almost remember it exactly. It's like 52,280, something like that. And, and, and it made the point that, that people who had, who had gotten COVID-19 um, appeared to have long-lasting immunity and, and, and would not need to be vaccinated. And I wrote about it for one of the publications that, that I write for. It wasn't the American Spectator. And a couple days later, the editor said, hey, you got this wrong. And I said, what do you mean I got it wrong? And, and, and he sent me another statement from the Cleveland Clinic um, urging people to get vaccinated anyway. And, and I said, wait a second, are, are you looking at this? So, so at first they released this study, and then a week later they released this, this public statement through the PR office basically telling people to get vaccinated anyway when a week earlier they told them not to. And I said to my editor, I said, can't you tell what's going on here? I, I, mean, I mean, they're doing this under pressure of losing grant funding. That, you know, that, that's what's going on here. So the whole corruption, and, and for people out there, um, you know, liberals who are listening, who want more government involvement in medicine, could, could, could you imagine if we didn't have private health care in America? If this was all done top-down from a state health ministry, from something like the some, you know, National Institutes of Health, or something like what Britain has with the NHS? I mean, you, you wouldn't have any options at all. Uh, it's, it's just a disaster. He is Professor Paul Kanger, the editor of the American Spectator, newly minted. Professor Polly Sai at Grove City College and Grove City, PA, author of the book The Devil and Karl Marx, Communism's Long March of Death, Deception, and Infiltration. Professor Kanger, thanks so much for joining us. Merry Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas to you both. Thanks. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. If you're talking about it. Dan and Amy are talking about it. It's Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. Got a text message from the Amish texter. Hey, JFK Jr., before you consider flying that Cessna 172 to Florida, (laughs) remember icing and a thing called a bomb cyclone? Arrive alive. Love. The Amish Love. Texter. Oh, wow. Well, Boy, I threw he's that filled in. with Christmas cheer. Yeah. <laughs> Just wants to make sure that you're safe. We have some more offers for you to get to Florida. Yeah, how was that? Uh, Dan, I can arrange for you to drive down with my sister-in-law, my niece, and her husband, their dog, their three-year-old, and seven-month-old. All, oh, God. All, Family truckster. All, Am I going to be like Emma Jean Coca? They're going to strap me to the roof? No, they have a seat for you. All In, in, in exchange, they want a bottle of 120 Life. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty fair trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll get them signed up for a, a two-week trial pack. Well, they're, they're leaving later today if you want to. Hmm, better take down those digits. I got to weigh my options after the show. Mm. Uh, all right, on to uh, more substantive matters than my banal travel, travel plans and woes, yes. Uh, pleased to be joined by our friend Bob Woodson for a little retrospective on race relations here at uh, year's end. Are we making progress? I don't know. It seems like it's uh, challenging 
not challenging in terms of most people's daily interpersonal contact with people of different races and religions and so forth. Um, I certainly don't find it so. But uh, with the ideologues in control of all of the civil institutions in America, it's exceedingly difficult. And it makes it uh, a bit depressing when you think about what is to come when you have proponents of separatism, identitarian-driven separatism in charge of, say, K-12 through education, not to mention the academy, not to mention corporate America, not to mention arts and entertainment. So uh, Bob Woodson's an optimistic guy. We'll see how much optimism he retains. Bob Woodson is the founder and president of the Woodson Center, author of Red, White, and Black, Rescuing American History from Revisionists and Race Hustlers. Bob, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it. Yeah, pleased to meet you. I mean, pleased to connect with you again. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. So, I mean, give us give us your sense, you know, as you think about the last year and you're working uh, on these matters of uh, black empowerment and lifting people of all races out of poverty and economic opportunity for people of all races. Well, what, what, where, where do you find a, Where do you think uh, we stand right now? Well, first of all, I believe that the sickest part of the body also draws the strongest antibodies. And what we're witnessing is this extreme attack on the values of the nation by using race um, as the bludgeon. It's also uh, re, uh, the response has been uh, a tremendous response from parents groups. Uh, in our own work at the at 1776 Unites, we've had 50,000 downloads for our curriculum in all 50 states. Uh, so I really think a backlash is, is really occurring around the country uh, we've been advising several uh, uh, parental groups who are running for school board. About 60% of them have been successful in in pushing back against this race grievance uh, curriculum. So I'm I'm a little optimistic uh, that that, that is, is really provoking a a tremendous backlash, and uh, and we're we're delighted to be right in the middle of it. You you recently. Uh co-authored an op-ed uh, for The Hill with your uh, friend and colleague, John Sibley Butler, who's a <laughs> professor at the uh, University of Texas. Um, and you, you, uh, the, 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 the larger point of the uh, op-ed is a point you make all the time. We need to tell the stories of black success, not black victimhood. And um, you two uh, zero in on Marcus Garvey as um, somebody that uh, we should know, or we should know more about. Why? Why Marcus Garvey? Because Marcus Garvey um, is, 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 um, has the same philosophy as Booker T. Washington. Marcus Garvey was one of the, became very, one of the most influential black leaders in the nation ever. Larger than King, larger than anyone um, in the 1920s. And that's because Mar- Garvey was talking about um, the, the importance of family, the importance of self-determination, that that blacks were not defined by slavery, that we were not defined by oppression, but he actually had a model and he established at a time when there was no mass communication. He had a million black people investing in themselves. They, he sold $1 worth of uh, stock in his uh, business. And whenever he went, he was one of the most uh, popular figures in the black community uh, because he was preaching and demonstrating self-determination and independence. 
And so this provoked the ire of the traditional civil rights leadership. That's why they were so aligned against him and really cooperated with the racist justice department to put this man in jail. Uh, but so what we believe that if, if black America and America is looking for solutions, we must look to figures that promoted the principles of self-determination. Uh, Marcus Garvey believed in this nation as Booker T. Washington did. He made the same point that Booker T. Washington, that you have a class of Negroes at the time that they were recalled who profit from it and benefit from the grievance of black people. So the whole race grievance industry was defined by Marcus Garvey and Booker T. Washington back then, and the same grievance industry exists today. But didn't some denounce Garvey? Yeah, sorry. No, didn't some denounce Garvey as as a demagogue? Oh, sure. I mean, Marcus Garvey was denounced by the civil rights leadership, but not by the populace. He was one of the most popular figures. You see, a lot of people who who promote themselves as being spokesperson for the black community do not speak for them. Eighty percent of blacks are against defund the police. Almost 100 percent of the leadership supports defund the police. So the problem is a lot of these a lot of these so-called grievance merchants uh, uh, promote themselves as being the legitimate voices of the black community. And what we do at the Woodson Center is we, we allow the people in whose name progressives say they represent, let them speak for themselves. And when they do, we have a group called the Voices of Black Mothers United, thousands of black mothers who lost children to violence. And, and, may, and, and they are the ones who are saying, we support the police. We support the values of this nation. So the way you undermine progressives is let the people speak for themselves, and un- and therefore they undermine the moral authority of the progressives. That's the strategy. Just on on the the topic of Marcus Garvey, who, uh, as you you mentioned, was I think he was one of the the early targets of uh, J. Edgar Hoover, right? In terms of oh, the, the corrupt Justice Department. Okay. Speaking of, you know, the same things we're dealing with a century later. We're dealing yeah, with yeah. a corrupt FBI. We're dealing with a race hustler, grievance industry. Uh, things don't don't uh, change very much in some respects. But I, I, Marcus Garvey, though, as I understand it, was also um, a proponent of black separatism. I mean, so black self determination, but also black separatism, and. We don't want to go that direction. Uh, no, I don't, he, right? he did not promote black separatism no, okay. uh, any more than I did. What, what Marcus Garvey said, we are to trade with Africa. We must, we must, he, he never advocated uh, absolute separatism. He said we ought to be, you, you know, Af- we should stop looking at Africa as a dark continent, that we should trade with Africa and those who want to return so, but that's that's one of the mischaracterization of Marcus Garvey. Well, but didn't he didn't didn't he, didn't he want like uh, all black people to be united under one government? I mean, what is that? Oh, he no, well, he talked about uh, having a, a not, not united here. He talked about uh, in Africa that that's that is our nation as as Europeans can point to the nations that they're from. He's saying we should look to Africa. As the center of of of, of our uh, de- uh, de- definition of who we are, I see. Okay, all right, but, fair, fair enough. Um, but, and- but that's been he's been mischaracterized. He talked about independence and self sufficiency. He built businesses um, that employed people, so he was promoting self sufficiency. 
He also uh, warned against uh, the communists of the time, didn't he? Absolutely. He warned against the communists. He fought. But also there was a real race divide and color divide. McGarvey was the was the man was the leader of ordinary people uh, in these communities. The civil rights leaders were envious of him because because he had such a massive following. He had his own radio stations. He had his own businesses. He talked about he owned three ships, so we so the black America could uh, uh, export to uh, to other countries. The big problem with Marcus Garvey it was he was a, a very poor administrator. Uh, he was betrayed by a lot of middle class blacks who um, who uh, encouraged him to buy uh, ships that were not certified and so he was betrayed internally by the people who saw him as a threat i think he was betrayed by the race grievance industry just as people like myself who advocate independence and self-sufficiency uh they 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 try to denigrate us where do you think I was having this discussion at lunch with a couple of friends um, you may know one of them Charles Thomas who used to be a political reporter for ABC 7 in Chicago and uh, and a young a black entrepreneur too in the city and just talking about sort of where and we're talking about Chicago but it's a conversation that you could scale nationally talking about so where does the, the change in mindset within the black community come from is it going to be led by uh, young upperly mobile uh, black professionals like the guy I was having lunch with, or do you have to get down to um, the neighborhood level, the people that have been left behind, the people that have been um, undermined by generations of school, uh, by, by, by schools that have failed generations of their family members by crime in their neighborhoods? Can, can, can you have sort of a bourgeois that lead a, a revolution of thinking in the black community? Does, yeah, it, have to, have does a, it have to organically bubble up from the neighborhoods? How, how do you view it? It's going to be a combination of both. It's going to be uh, some young uh, people in the academy together with grassroots leaders, but a, a moral brush fire always burns from the bottom up. And that's what we're going to... I have to jump right, right now. All right. Oh, okay. Bob Woodson, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. Okay. I was going to ask him about California reparations, but yes, he had to leave. He's and, opposed. Yes, I'm sure he there is. There you go. Okay. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. This is The Morning Show. More Chicago radio listeners are choosing... This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. You want to get your comments and compliments and criticisms and crack pottery together, you got some time. And if anybody can get Dan a lift to Florida, let us know. We'll talk about that. Actually, and, and George and I, tech producer in for Justin, was, uh, we were having a macabre conversation about plane crashes. Yeah, I, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, have, we'll, we'll, we'll include you in that conversation <sighs> as well, which is fun. For the holidays, you know. Open mic! Open mic Friday! Call in now! Open mic Friday! Dan and Amy, it's our last open mic Friday, which is happening on Thursday of 2022. So make it a good one. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro. Answer line, taking your calls with comments, compliments, concerns, general crack pottery. We'll take it all. And uh, let me start with this uh, dumbest Illinois state legislator ever. Her name is Denise or Denise Wang Stonebeck. 
Remember, she's... Dean Icewang Stonebeck. She sponsored the anti-Dan Prof bill. Exactly. And she's on her way out. She lost in the primary to another Democrat. Uh-huh. But she's been head of this assault weapons ban proposal. They've had three days of hearings. And she really doesn't know... This what- is this is an exchange with Todd Vandemide, who's an NRA lobbyist, good friend of mine, longtime friend of mine, used to be with Local 150 as well. Yeah, and but, also with but, John Weber, who's but, an NRA but, guy. But Todd, Todd Vandemide... <laughs> He knows his stuff. Don't let his uh, Jeremiah Johnson appearance, if you know who he is, fool you. He knows his stuff both with respect to gun laws as well as the Constitution. I mean, he is... He looks like Santa Claus a little bit. He's he's very sharp, and uh, D-Nice Wang Stonebeck didn't realize what she, would, what she was in for. Oh, the stupidity. Can can you do? Are you familiar with the Second Amendment? Can you recite the Second Amendment to us? I am not a lawyer, so uh, the constitutionality of the bill. Yeah, here's Todd. So I'm here to speak to the subject matter. Fifty-eight, fifty-five. Mr. Van Twenty-seven by, words. All you, regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Okay. Is there any mention of an individual's right to a gun oh for self-defense or recreation in the Second Amendment? Yes. The people. Same as the First Amendment, same as the Fourth Amendment, same as the Ninth Amendment. There is not a single word about an individual's right to a gun for self-defense or recreation in the Second Amendment. Now, for Mr. Weber, have you visited the headquarters yeah, of okay. the NRA in Fairfax, Virginia? What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> and so, that, that, so your insane. friend started laughing. Too, like, what are you, what? He's insane. So this is how, it really is, this is how dumb they are. They, yeah. First of all, I mean, Todd, Second Amendment? Oh, yeah, it's 27 Wait, words. Right. Here they are. Boom. Uh, yeah, the people, you know, like as enshrined in the other amendments that confer rights that are individually. In addition to that, as if this is uh, some sort of uh, new discussion. Um, excuse me, uh, Representative Wang Stonebeck. Are you familiar with Supreme Court holdings on the matter? The Supreme Court has weighed in and established the Second Amendment as an individual right. So what is your fracking point? Do you think your opinion and any legislation you would author in the General Assembly supersedes Supreme Court jurisprudence? I'm here to tell you, since you don't know basic civics, which qualifies you for the Illinois General Assembly, it does not. So what are we even talking about? What, a, what I mean, embarrassment, disgrace. These words don't even mean anything because embarrassments and disgraces are fully embraced by the electorate in this state. Both parties, with very few exceptions, that is... Those are accurate descriptors of most of the 177 state legislators in the General Assembly. And those are the people that we have chosen. So, you know, the old one finger at them and four pointing back at you. We have chosen these individuals. And you want to say, where's the talent? Why don't we win elections? How can we let Chicago socialists dominate and so on and so forth? I know this is a nitwit uh, suburban Democrat. Suburban. I know it's a nitwit. Elected by who? The enlightened. At least I like to think so out there in Skokie and Morton Grove and Niles. I mean, it just, it doesn't matter, though. I just, there's nothing that seems to be able to penetrate. There's no scam that this electorate won't fall for. There's no one insultingly stupid enough 
for them to say, gosh, I really need to rethink what I'm doing. I mean, they're laughing at her. I mean, he's trying not to laugh at her. I just can't bring myself to admit what I've been party to, right? That's what it is. I just can't. If I just ignore it, then I don't have to deal with it. The the repercussions, the consequences, the uh, complete dip-shattery of this political class. I mean, such a great illustration to end the year. What a perfect commentary on Illinois politics and the choices we've made. That exchange between Vandermeide and Wang Stoneback. So beautiful. Elegant. That is a Christmas miracle. Thank you so much. So I, I wanted to bring it to you. Yeah, I want, it's wonderful. wonderful. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. That's the best Christmas present you could have given me. Yeah. Guess what? It's the only one. It's the only one I'm getting. So Better it works out or a ride home from Florida. Yeah. Or to Florida, excuse me. Uh, Bob in Naperville. Good morning, Dan and Amy. Merry Christmas and congratulations on the contract ex- extension. Oh, thank you. Dan, earlier today uh, during a traffic report, I heard Mike say disabled vehicle. Uh, going forward, uh, could he please use the phrase temporary inoperable automobile? <laughs> I think it'd be more politically correct. Thank you for that uh, language enhancement, uh, Bob. Appreciate it. Um, the other Bob in Buffalo Grove. Uh, good good morning, uh, Amy and Dan. Have a great uh, Christmas weekend to you and your staff, and happy Hanukkah to your uh, Jewish listeners. Let's uh, flash back to an earlier discussion this week. Uh, who's hot and who's not? Uh-huh. Ma- it made me think of the late Jake Hartford uh, and his Jizzy Awards. So uh, let me uh, ask. Um, I don't want to know what during her are. days during her days at WMAQ. I'm wondering, Amy. Yeah. Did you ever pl- did you ever place or did you ever become the uh, the winner of the Jizzy Award? Um, it vaguely sounds familiar. Do you remember the Jizzy Awards that Jake had? Yeah. Who was hot and who was on uh, TV? Yeah, I, I want some stuff. And uh, for for you, Dan, don't get aboard a um, Beechcraft uh, Bonanza plane. They didn't do too well back in uh, 1959. Uh. Wait, is that the is that uh, Bomba Bomba? Is that the Big Bopper and yeah, Ricky yeah. Valens and Ricky yeah. yeah, yeah. Thanks and Buddy Holly. Thanks for the call, Bob. Uh, yeah, so we were talking about that actually. I'm glad Bob brought it up. Oh, God. So why are we having this morbid conversation? Well, I just want to, if people want to chime in on it because it's a, it's a tough call. Like if you were going to go out in a oh my God. in a small aircraft plane crash, would you want to go out like Roy Halliday, number one at the controls, but crash? Um, you know, the the great pitcher yeah, for the yes. Blue Jays, Cy Young. Yeah. Uh, or Roberto like, Clemente. Or Payne Stewart. Or Payne Stewart. You know, Payne Stewart. Yeah, Did you, know, you think he got knocked Scott, out right away, though? Mike Scott way in. A, yeah, you lose cabin pressure, and then right, you're then asleep, you're... and you're gone. But wait, where did that plane I, you... eventually crash? In the ocean, right? Yeah. Somewhere. Water, right? Where, where did it mm. crash? South Dakota, I believe. Oh, that's Up right north. in the field, right. Oh, it was a field? I yes. believe so, yes. Oh, right. Okay. No, but thank God nobody no. on the ground got injured. I'll double check that, but I think that's right. There's yep. nobody in South Dakota to injure. Hey, yeah. hey. Um, so, yeah, I think. Um, what are you thinking, Dan? Well, I, like I said before, uh, morbid. I just like I don't like to. I don't like to be chilly, so I don't know about. Uh, I don't know about losing cabin pressure at fourteen thousand feet. Uh, I don't know. 
I'd like me. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe sucked out. Oh my god! You know, so you could do like a little skydive. Oh, remember that woman on that Southwest plane that got sucked out? She was sitting at the, on the oh, window. Southwest. Seat. That's where the airline I'm flying. Thanks oh, a lot. Yeah. Now that's all that? I'm thinking Wait, hold about. On, I gotta you know, Dan, we've actually got some advanced coverage of your. They flight. bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. Yeah. I say, let them crash. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of opinions on this. That's the point. So it's 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 a, it's a tough call. Oh, we, I, <sighs> I don't know. I I I feel like uh, if you're at the controls, so you you know, at least you have some control when you're, as opposed to just being captive to, you know, Captain Sky King and whatever he's doing. Her, her name was Jennifer Reardon from New Mexico, and she was died when she was partially sucked out a window of a Southwest Airlines jet. Remember the engine well, I, well, I caught wanna, on fire and no, it no, hit, no, and then she no, wow. no, no, partially Ooh. sucked out. Yeah, she died. Well, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I don't want to. She was hit by debris. No, but her, part, part of her body was still hanging out the window. Yeah, right. right. Hey. I think we can piece it together. I know this is too macabre for you, and you're describing the details <laughs> of somebody partially sucked out of a plane. I'm sorry. I think I want it like like a Mission Impossible type of scene where you're like attached to the seat and you're trying to figure out, you know, you're ejected, something like that, and. um Probably wouldn't end as well as it does in the movies, but I mean, it'd be it'd be like fun. I remember skydiving with the Golden Knights, and mm-hmm. um, and that was a lot of fun. This would be what I'm describing would be less fun, but but you know, it'd be a ride. You know, you'd go out like uh, like um, um, uh, like uh, who? Ca- ca- Captain Kong in in um, um, Doctor Strange Love. Slim Pickens, like Slim Pickens and Dr. Strangelove oh. riding the bomb all the way down, twirling your cowboy hat, something like that. That's a cool way to go. You know, if you're going to go, just saying. I'm never sitting near the engine again on that plane. Right, because they're, they're, you're safe in case something goes catastrophically wrong, like an engine's on fire. If you're not sitting next to the engine. Well, it was hit by debris, and then the debris hit the... Yeah, you're know, a little fixated on this. Yeah, I got it. I mean, do you want to read from the autopsy report? No, I don't. Tom Sadek in Barrington, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Good morning. Let me help you guys transition this conversation. I told the producer, get the rim shot ready. First uh-huh. of all, get she sucked said. out. There's nothing wrong with getting sucked out. Oh, okay. wow. Hey, number two, uh, you had a caller a couple of weeks ago after that Parker School uh, debacle got announced. He just said, I don't even know what a butt plug is. So I'm calling to help him out, let him know it's a pacifier for lefties. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so bad. So, Pretty good. And, and good. finally, you guys, it was great to see you at Freedom Summit. Merry Christmas to you and your families. And I look forward to working with you guys in 2023. More to come. Merry Love Christ- you guys. Merry Christmas, Tommy. Merry Christmas. And keep it clean at the Christmas table, okay? None of your, None of your blue humor. Thanks for the call. Yes, sir. Tom, appreciate it. That's terrible. Charles Barkley doesn't like it. I know that. Tim in Woodstock. Hey, good morning, Dan and Amy. Um, I just want to thank both of you for all your work over the past year. Um, I think your show really serves as kind of an anchor, kind of a reference point for a lot of us out here. And kind of keeps us from losing our minds altogether. So I think I just thank you. And like everybody else, I just want to congratulate you on... uh, Getting your contract extended, Dan. Thank you, Tim. I got hair extensions. Merry Christmas, Tim. <laughs> Everybody's getting extended. 
Eduardo Midway, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Yeah, Merry Christmas, uh, Dan and Amy. This uh, hoarding of uh, medication here, uh, yes. now they're going into the stockpile. Yeah. Well, this is the boomerang of uh, shutting down. They should have just let everybody, you know, I don't even get the vaccine because I got sick and my mother got sick. And it's just like the flu shot. It's it's waste of time getting the vaccine again. And that's what's going to be very bad for people's health down the line because it's going to have repercussions. Yeah. And thanks for the call. I saw the story about uh, cold medicine for children being rationed. Like uh, we've got a baby formula shortage and now we got a cold medicine shortage. Yeah. What, what's going on? I, I got I, everybody's getting sick. And so well, yeah. your kids are getting sick and you want to get them Tylenol to reduce the fever and the pain and things are running out. Dayquil, NyQuil for kids. I, I had to stock up on Dayquil over the last couple of days because I had a little bit of a bug and I, I didn't have I, in the suburbs at least grabbing it. Was, oh, well, you remember I mean, what store you went into? Probably first time. Were you nervous? Like a Walgreens oh, or something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what? Uh, what's, I had a hard time finding Nyquil. Really? That's why I, I can't I mean, ride the queue at Nyquil. Well, obviously, they... obviously there was a story about it, so I assume that. But rationing cold capsules for kids? Yeah, it's yeah. it's a little <laughs> more sticky than that. It's the it's the the real shortage problem is amoxicillin, and that's what fights the the, the fever in young children, RSV, uh, even some severe flu symptoms in the children's hospitals and pediatricians' offices. So. Oh, you need a prescription for a month. Wait a second. You do, yeah. Wait, it's no. an antibiotic shortage. The flu, we didn't have the flu last year. The flu's back? Yeah, yeah. Oh, back. yeah. The oh. eye of the flu. Yeah. I was tested positive. I thought everything was all, all, thing, all roads lead to COVID. No, not anymore? Oh, but real quick, just in case you know, Mike, you should know about this. Uh, 10, 9.30 this morning, Dr. Warde and Mayor Lightfoot are having a press conference about COVID-19. I wonder be, if they're going to dress up. Like, they better be dressed up as the Rona Busters. No, no, like Santa. No, no, Rona Busters. COVID Santa. I don't take them seriously unless they're dressed up Mr. and Mrs. Rona Claus. Busters. COVID Claus, huh? COVID? Ka- Kathy and Joliet. Hi, Dan. Hi, Amy. So, Dan, if you get a private flight out of wherever, Midway or O'Hare. Well, sure I'll, I'll take a Chicago it. executive. That's fine. I can make that work. Okay. Yeah, yeah okay. But make sure they have uh, the here box. Wait, why, why did it? But, hold on. Are you okay? Kathy, you, 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 if I take it, we dropped you there for a second. If, you, if I get a private flight out of, like, say, Chicago, I can make sure they have what? A here bottle, H-E-R-E, a here bottle on board. Uh, that's uh, a human element range extender so that yeah. you can... So I can find my body? Oh. No, you can, you know, you pee mid-flight. It's much like what they have in the hospital for men. Oh. So it's, uh, Thank you for that. What is going on I'm, with this show? I'm not 80. I don't need that. I, I can I can hold it for two, hour, two and a half hours to stop. Strap a Florida. catheter in? I mean, what are they, what's going on around oh here? Oh, my God. H-E-R-E? What the? Human range extender? I don't know what these. I think she was getting kinky with you. <laughs> Sounds like, right, it sounds like mm-hmm. something that they'd be introduced to 14-year-old girls at Francis Parker. Kevin in Austin, Texas. Yeah, I want to comment on the Illinois Electric thing that you were talking about. Uh, in York uh, Township alone, there are 28 precinct captains in the GOP that have not been filled. The grassroots has got to get involved. And our, uh, the executive committee meeting, state committee meeting that happened, like, uh, what was it, Saturday a couple weeks ago. As far as you know, the grassroots it, to to retake the uh, the Illinois GOP. All right, thanks. That's Elmhurst, right? Kevin. York Township. That is Elmhurst. Yeah, yeah. I uh, got a text message: medical ingredient shortage in China. That's why this is happening. 
Hmm. And that it's not a disabled vehicle, it's emotionally challenged. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I got some texts on um, the... um, how you would prefer to die in a plane crash um, or uh, mm. uh, don't forget Goldfinger died when he was sucked out of a plane okay. in that Bond film mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's right so that's the way I want to go like a Bond villain okay yeah it's cool Chuck in Delavan, Wisconsin hey bottle shot tomorrow night from 6 to 8 Mr. and Mrs. Claus I want to crash like Ron Brown killed by Hillary Clinton in Interlock <laughs> 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 Uh, yeah, I'd like to be killed by Hillary Clinton. Too. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks for mentioning my band's name, Smallmouth Bass, earlier. And, and the last thing I want to tell everyone is I want to say Merry Christmas to all the families that used to visit me at the Brookfield Zoo uh, for 16 years until COVID came. I watched your families grow. Mm. You still are in my he was, heart. He was an exhibit at the Brookfield Zoo. No, he's Santa. Yeah. Chuck is Santa. Oh, right. Santa. Yeah, that too. Yeah. I was Santa, but the beach whale from uh, the state of Illinois, the governor, <laughs> shut everything down, and to this day, they don't have a Santa there. So That's anyway, so sad. I, you, you, families, your, you families are still in my heart. I still have some of your pictures that you gave me. And the last year I was there, there was a family. They had 15 uh, ornaments, Christmas ornaments, and they said, you've been our, fam- our family Santa our whole life. Bless you all, and everyone have a Merry Christmas. All right, very good, Chuck. Merry Christmas to you. Thanks for the call. Listen to Dan and Amy on your smartphone. Download the AM560 mobile app today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.